0: It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There is only one more. There is only one. One more! That's it! One more! Get a rest. No! They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up! Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this. this is the Sports Loudmouth.
1: Yay! Man. Can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here.
0: With Errol Marks and Speedy Beatty. You're not even a has-been. You're a never-was
1: friends, my teammates,
3: my competitors, Uh, I could go on forever, there's too many, Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream, I wouldn't change
2: a thing, love you all. February 1st ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Sports Loud Mouths and everybody knows it is the end of an era. And remember, you can call us at 631-672-3108 is the number. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, live shows. As everybody knows, we have a Buffalo Bills show, a Jets show, and our show. We have Game On, which airs every single Friday at 7 o'clock. So definitely check out all the listings on our website great great content great guests everything and you can check out the sports lineup on wednesdays at 7 p.m. and thursdays at 9 p.m. speedy what's up man
1: well i hope you're doing better after that whole debacle on uh, saturday which we mm. were traveling for a while and uh, errol was getting mad at a lot of di- a lot of different people oh my th- god that day but uh We ended up, uh, even though the event uh, wasn't, we it was very crowded there at the sneaker event. Uh, I was sweating. Yeah, I was even sweating too. If I have to take my jacket off, there, you know, it was hot in there. Fifty
2: five hundred people showed up to that. Yeah. Sneaker, I, I guess, escarade. Yes. Uh, I don't even know what it
1: is. I, uh, that's a good word. I like escarade. But yes, we went to a sneaker event. We were traveling probably in the car for a uh, combined like six, seven hours. Uh, went to uh, uh, – shout out to your friend Barry and uh, his yes. wife uh, giving us some great hospitality. Mm-hmm. And uh, Max, if you're listening, you better be calling during baseball season
2: <laughs> like I told you. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Verizon, stay away. I want to stay far, far away from Verizon Wireless. I was there all Saturday for seven hours with a watch problem, with a phone problem, I lose my taxes, and then I drive all the way out to Secaucus in New Jersey, and I go to a Verizon dealer over there, and that was horrible too. By the way, shout out to the Verizon dealership over there, uh, a wireless over there, dealership, wireless over there, they were fantastic, they are good people, Edgar, th- everybody was good over there, uh, it just... Didn't work out for me as far as I'm concerned when it comes to the Samsung watch. Stay away from those watches, ladies and gentlemen. Digital watches do not work. At least they don't work for Verizon. That's for that's for sure. But anyways, a great show lined up for you guys. At 7.30, we'll be talking to Baylor's sophomore offensive tackle... Tate Williams, he'll be joining us. Uh, If you don't know Tate, he's been on the show. It was about a year ago when he was on the show. He's a fantastic personality. He knows his stuff. And uh, next year he will be starting for Baylor. So shout out to Tate. We're very excited to get him on the show. At 8 o'clock we'll be talking to former Raiders and Lions safety Stuart Schweigert. He was fantastic the last time he came on the show. Told us so many different stories, uh, especially the one with Tony Gonzalez. So uh, looking forward to getting him on the show as well. Tom Brady announces his retirement, as everybody heard in the beginning of the show. Uh, as we will get into that and we'll talk about his career and and really go in the ins and the outs of what the Buccaneers could do moving forward. Maybe they go into the draft. Maybe they look to free agency. Uh, Derek Carr is still available. Maybe they look in that area. Um, The Eagles will face the Chiefs in Super Bowl 57. We'll go through the NFC and AFC title games and our thoughts to those games. Sean Payton. Now the head coach of the Broncos, Saints get a first round. (laughs) I laugh at this because it seems like the Broncos love to trade away first round draft picks. It's like, here you go. You can have it. They gave up a a first round and a second round pick next year. Uh, Makes no sense to me. I understand Sean Payton's a great coach. He's a fantastic coach. But to give up a first and a second for Sean Payton, especially he's been out of football for a year, it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. I would have given maybe a second and a third for him. A first-round draft pick for a coach? I don't know. Islanders trade Anthony Bavillier and Auntie Ronta. Uh, I, auntie, auntie Ronti, whatever you want to call him. And a first-round pick uh, for Canucks. Bo Horvat, Uh, we're very excited. If you're an Islander fan, you should be very, very excited. But Auntie Ronti is on his way. And by the way, Auntie Ronti is a fantastic young player. And I know Islander fans are really upset about this. But uh, you have to give something to get something special. And Bo Horvat has been one of the uh, unsung heroes. Uh, Well, I don't know about unsung, but... Uh, for Vancouver, uh, a team that really is looking for a superstar, they had uh, a great player in Bo Horvat, and they have a couple of good young players on 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 the Canucks. But uh, they fire and and they they fire their coach. They bring in Rick Tockett, and uh, they're deciding to uh, shift uh, their superstars and trade them away. So Bo Horvat heads to the Islanders. If the Islanders could re-sign him, that was a fantastic deal for the New York Islanders. They add a very good player in Bo Horvat. James Dolan speaks publicly for the first time in a while and says he believes Leon Rose at will and he well really he's saying that Leon Rose is the leader of this team he will be here next year and that he will not step in between basketball decisions moving forward he believes that he's doing the right thing he's moving in the right direction with this team Especially uh, giving Julius Randle that unbelievable contract. Yeah. But, uh, they'll have to figure out what they're doing with Julius Randle. Uh, Mets signed Jeff McNeil to a four-year, $50 million contract. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people want to know our thoughts to that. Uh, and other NFL coaches that just got hired. Bill O'Brien back with the Patriots, as we predicted, as the offensive coordinator – uh, Vic Fangio to the Dolphins as defensive coordinator. I think that's a fantastic move yes, by yes. the Dolphins. Kellen Moore parts ways with the Cowboys and becomes the offensive coordinator with the Chargers. Uh-oh. <laughs> and <clears throat> D'Amico Ryan becomes the Texans head coach. I, I like D'Amico Ryan. I, I really, really like him. I think he's a fantastic defensive coordinator. To take a job like that, uh, there is a ton of different coaches that have taken that job and failed. And I don't know. I think there's there's, all, there's so many ways to moving up. I just don't know if D'Amico Ryan Ryan's wants that job. I, I'm very surprised that of all the jobs he got offered, that's the job he wants. The
1: Broncos allegedly wanted him, too, before they traded for Peyton. <laughs>
2: I don't understand it, but I guess he got a lot of money. So you got uh, a
1: six-year deal. So that's hefty. Well, so. there
2: you go. Joe Douglas got a six-year deal from the Jets, and he made it be known that he wants to be a part of the growth of this team and and rebuilding this team. So maybe uh, the way they look at D'Amico is a, is a guy that obviously will be a part of the growth of some of the young players that they start to draft, and they got a i i think they got the second round draft, the second pick in the first round, which. Uh, they're probably looking at quarterback. So uh, maybe CJ Stroud, maybe uh, Bryce Young. So uh, maybe somebody else, but they're definitely going to need a quarterback moving forward. So it'll be very interesting. And we will get into that a little bit later in the show. So why don't we get into it? Tom Brady, ESPN's Jeff Darlington says that Brady announced the decision on social media at 6 a.m. today. Brady's quoted. quoted. I know the process was a pretty big deal last time. So when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let the guys know first. I won't be long-winded. You only get a super emotional retirement essay one time. So really, thank you to, God, thank you to the guys so, so much to every single one of you and supporting me. Robert Kraft said, I don't ever believe... In a hundred years in history of the NFL, there'll be another quarterback like Tom Brady. I don't know, but I would have trouble ever believing there would be another one. That's what he said. The Glazier family, uh, that owns the Buccaneers said in a statement, Brady said an exceptional standard that elevated our entire organization to new heights and created some of the most iconic moments in our history. Tom's impact will be felt within our community for many years to come and will forever be grateful for those unforgettable memories that he provided during these final seasons of his legendary career. So Tom Brady is not only respected, By all his peers. He's respected by everybody that's come in contact with him. And I'm a Jet fan. Am I happy that Tom Brady is no longer here in the NFL? Absolutely. Any Jet fan that'll sit here today and say, Oh, Tom Brady's gone. (laughs) Nobody. No New York Jet fan has any sympathy for Tom Brady. Not even your boy, Eric Martini, that loves him. (laughs) Nobody. Okay? Tom Brady is one of the greatest players to ever step foot on a football field. There's no question that he was. And what he has done over the years was spectacular. Twenty, Almost 25 years of unbelievable football. This guy was everything you want in a football player. Everything. Heart and soul dedicated to the sport. Even dedicated so much to the sport that he decided and... Him and his wife decided to part ways in their relationship after him decided to come out of retirement and go into another season this year. His ability on the field to really see things that nobody saw and, and really how he led the Patriots and the Buccaneers when he went to the Buccaneers for the two or three years that he was there lead that team to a Super Bowl was really absolutely unbelievable. And we sit here... And we, as a Jet fan, there are a lot of things that we saw over the years that we didn't like about Tom Brady. One, the guy always kicked the Jets you-know-what. He always kicked the Jets' butts. The Jets could never compete against Tom Brady. With the Patriots, and even with the Buccaneers. If, I, if you guys remember last year, the Antonio Brown game. <laughs> And we all remember that game. The Jets in the fourth quarter had a 10-point lead. 10-point lead with almost four minutes left of the game. And Tom Brady, with no wide receivers after Antonio Brown walked off the field. He did have Mike Evans, but he wasn't 100%. He had no name wide receivers on the field. And somehow he took the team down twice to win the game with four minutes left of the game. So we know what Tom Brady does when it comes to pressure. And what he has done for the league, he's a spectacular player. There's nothing that you can say on the football, f- football field that you can say, oh, this guy wasn't uh, a gamer. This guy wasn't uh, a guy that could play in the playoffs. And we, we all know what Peyton Manning was. In the regular season, he was one of the greatest players in the regular season we've ever seen. Actually, he probably was the greatest quarterback to ever play in the regular season. But in the playoffs, Peyton Manning's numbers weren't there. Tom Brady's numbers in the playoffs are just absolutely spectacular. They are. And I, it's so interesting because I think Brady was looking at, obviously, the Fox Sports contract that he got offered last year, which he signed. A 10-year, $375 million contract. And right now, if I was Tom Brady, I would retire. And I understand he's a gamer. He wants, to, he wants the camaraderie. He wants to be on the field. He wants to play with his teammates. And traveling and, and playing cards and, and all the different things that you do as a player. I don't know. Maybe they play dominoes. I don't know what they do. Just the sort of by Phillip Rivers. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, to take a 10-year, $375 million contract last year, he obviously has to move forward in his career. This is the biggest broadcasting contract in professional sports history. And Tom Brady's never been a broadcaster. I think he's going to be great. If you, if you look at Tony Romo and his personality, he's succeeded. If you put Tom Brady with the right person, Tom Brady will be successful. He really would. And he's going to be. But we're talking about the greatest player at his position to ever play. And I'm saying it. It's hard to say it as a Jet fan. But after Tom Brady won his seventh Super Bowl, He's not only iconic for what he has done for the NFL and for all the teams he played for. He's iconic for what he has done in in different aspects of his game. And I I know when you look at the five Super Bowl MVPs and his single seasons, I I mean, Brady's final season with the Bucs, 66.8% completion percentage, led the league in total passing. Uh, it completed, uh, completed 490 passes last year, 6.4 yards per attempt, 25 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, and a 90.7 passing rating. I mean, you look at those numbers, he could play another 2 or 3 years. He was amongst the league's best, top 10 in almost every single statistic as a quarterback. But obviously, it takes a lot out of you. Almost 25 years of consistency. He played till he was 45 years old. And he already said that. He said that at the age of 39. He wants to play till till he's 45. Did he live up to what he said he was going to do? Absolutely. At the top of his game? Absolutely did. It's hard for me to say this about Tom Brady. His career record in the regular season. 251 251 wins, 82 losses. And his playoff record is ridiculous. Thirty five and thirteen, includes the Super Bowl appearance, which he's seven and three, and everybody knows the two Super Bowl losses that he had against the New York Giants, which he wants back. Out of all the, mm-hmm. the two Super Bowls, mm-hmm. the three Super Bowls that he's lost, and he lost against the Eagles, the two Super Bowls that he always wanted back were the two Giant ones. In two thousand seven and two thousand eleven. In his playoff career, eighty eight pass touchdowns, 40 interceptions, 30,400 passing yards, 62.5 completion percentage, which is ridiculous. Average seven yards per pass and a passing rating in his career in the playoffs, 89.8, which is one of the highest, one of the top three highest in NFL history in the playoffs. We all know the greatness of Tom Brady. And when you look at the positions and... His position, he was the, you can argue Steve Young, you can argue maybe Joe Montana, but honestly, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback at his position in history. For what he did, and how he did it, and how long he did it. And he was at the top of his game, even when he retired. I I sit here today, I'm not a Brady lover. I'm not a Brady fan. If anybody knows me, I'm a New Yorker. I'm a Jet fan. Even if I was a Giant fan, I don't like Tom Brady. But you cannot hide the greatness of what he was as a player and what he did on the football field. And he wasn't a bad guy. I've never heard anybody, anybody that's met him off the field... Golfers, fans, even Jet fans that have met Tom Brady. I know a Jet fan that, believe it or not, loved Tom Brady and met Tom Brady twice and got his autograph twice. And and believe it or not, Tom Brady signed his Jets jersey. Wow. And he told me Tom Brady was not only gracious... He spoke to him for five
1: minutes. Now, did he troll him in the signature? <laughs> I don't know. This is what he told me. Okay. I, I, I don't know the truth. I, I, he, he didn't lie to me. Okay. No, no, no. I believe he signed it. I, I was wondering if he signed it with like something penny or something like that. because a Jets fan. <laughs> I, I
2: don't know. But he did tell me he gave him a Wendy's burger, and, and Tom Brady accepted it. So, I don't know like, if he signed Tom the Brady
1: ate a burger? That's what I heard.
2: No, I, he accepted <laughs> the burger. I don't know if he ate it. I, didn't, I don't think he saw him eat the burger. But he was excited that, you know,
1: Tom Brady took his burger. That's fair. You're I right. mean, I wouldn't believe. He I take his, his burger. burger. <laughs> I wouldn't actually believe that Tom Brady ate the burger unless it was like avocado patties or uh, something like that. Well,
2: I will give Tom Brady a lot of credit. I mean, his, his conditioning and what he did for all those years, it was unbelievable. I mean, the guy is in physical and mental shape. I've never seen a guy in professional sports at the age of 45, looked the way he did. And he looked a little frail this year. I, I don't know. Maybe it had something to do with his family life. I don't know. But even as frail as he looked on the field, he played at the top of his game. Fantastic player, man. And he will be missed. I, I, I'll be, you know, over the years, I hated Michael Jordan. Hated Michael Jordan. As a, as a New York Knicks fan, I absolutely despised him. I couldn't stand him. And then when Michael Jordan retired, I realized he was he was the Knicks' big biggest nemesis. I hated watching him play as a Knicks fan. Because he every time he stepped on Madison Square Garden floor, he kicked the Knicks butt. I mean, every single time, even when he played for the Bullets. He had that 50-point game. I hated Michael Jordan, but I respected Michael Jordan and and now you go back and maybe years from now when Tom Brady's gone for five six years I'll realize that as much as I hated Tom Brady I loved watching his graceful ability on the football field and he wasn't the most athletic no he wasn't I mean I don't know if anybody's seen his combine (laughs) It, it was horrible and a lot of people thought This guy was never going to make it in the league, and he was a sixth-round draft pick. But what made him so special was his precise understanding of the game. He was a student of the game. And and there are a lot of young quarterbacks that have tremendous amount of ability. Tremendous. Zach Wilson being one of them. Tom Brady never had the ability that Zach Wilson had when he came into the league. But Zach Wilson might never have the ability to understand the game like Tom Brady did. Listen to these numbers. Final regular stats. Brady had a 64.3% completion percentage, averaging 7.4 yards per pass, 89,214 passing yards, 649 touchdowns, 212 interceptions, and a passer rating of 97.2 playing in 23 seasons. 15-time 15, 15 Pro Baller, 3-time MVP, 3-time All-Pro, and won a 2009 Comeback Player of the Year after he tore his ACL, additional to his Super Bowls. number 1 all-time in passing yards, 89,214. Total passing completion, 7,753. 4th quarter comebacks, 46, and a passing touchdown, 649. I mean, we could go up and down his statistics, his career there. It might never be surpassed his, his, his specialness as a player, his iconic pursuit of greatness might never be reached again.
1: And definitely not as longevity. You're talking about 45 years old. There's not many NFL players to get even past 40 a lot of the time, too. There's not even a lot, of, a lot of NFL players that get to 35 now at this rate. We're seeing a lot of players retire early, too. And somebody like Tom Brady, who had that t- TB12, he does that, stays in shape. Like you were saying – We can make all the avocado jokes you want, but he (laughs) definitely stays in shape when it comes to that. And there's a reason for that. He committed to playing until he was 45 like four years ago, Mm -hmm. and he he earned it. He he got there. He played that one more season. Obviously, it was a brutal season between on and off the field and between that uh, terrible Buccaneers offensive line he had to deal with. But he made the most of it and did as well as he could considering the circumstances. Uh, By the way, before we get our guest on, our uh, fellow Patriot fan, Jeff is on the phone. Jeff, what's up, bud?
0: Errol, it's very gracious of you (laughs) to mention all of the great accolades that Brady has, and I know as a Jets fan that's hard for you, but you're leaving out Brady's greatest accomplishment. What's that? His self-awareness. Very self-aware. Tom Brady knows that if you lose to Dak Prescott, it's <laughs> over. It's over. That's the end of the line. And he said, this is the <laughs> lowest point of my life. I quit.
2: I don't think he you quit have because to be of that. So,
0: You have to be so self-aware to know that. You've hit rock bottom if you lose to the Dallas Cowboys. See,
1: see, Jeff, I would believe that more if he pulled off Avante Davis and just retired at halftime, but still.
0: What do you you think this is? He had to finish the game. He went home and was like, you know what? I've accomplished so much, and I've always avoided losing to the Dallas Cowboys. And now that that's gone, I have to go. I must go. (laughs)
2: I again, I don't believe losing to Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys was the final straw on why he decided to retire. You don't,
0: you don't think it is? No, I. He don't. played. He played with a guy that murdered three people. He kept going on, <laughs> right? Yes. He he. I he can't laugh with with that, Antony, He played with Antonio Brown getting naked and running out of the Meadowlands. <laughs> he played on. He did because he, he wanted to play. To
2: his forty-five years old, he did. He right? did. He did follow his his belief in how long he was going to play. I I'm so very surprised. I never would have thought that Tom Brady was going to play till he was forty-five and play at a high level, the way he, he did. He
0: tore his ACL. He played on. Yes, he did. You know when he stopped playing, when he lost to Dak Prescott, <laughs> he said this is a low that is so terrible. Dude, Divorced his wife. I want to still play football. Threw away his family. He played on. <laughs> that, losing to Dak Prescott is such a low <laughs> that he was like, I'll never recover. I'll <laughs> never live this down. There's no lower low. I just lost Gis- Giselle and play through. There's no coming back from a loss to Dak Prescott. That is despicable. And he quit.
2: I will say this. For what Tom Brady has meant for the NFL, and even though you, people that hate him, Loved him, adored him. He was always the face of the NFL for all these years. He's done everything he could to put the NFL to a pedestal. And remember, when Tom Brady came into the league, the NFL was fighting with the MLB. It was like back and forth. The MLB came back from the strike and and with, with everything that was going on with the steroids era and all that other stuff, the NFL was still fighting with the MLB. It pulled away when Tom Brady became a star in the league. It really did. In 2004, 2005, when Brady took over the quarterback position for the Patriots, everything started to build for the NFL. And, and Brady had a lot to do with it. Anybody that thinks that Tom Brady wasn't a big part of the growth of the NFL doesn't know football, doesn't understand the game. And Tom Brady, like him, like him or love him or hate him, he was a big part of what the NFL is and what the NFL will be in the future.
0: And if if you notice, Tom Brady threw for over 100,000 yards in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's Mm -hmm. 300,000 feet. If you take 300,000 feet and divide it by (laughs) 5,280, which is the distance of a mile, okay, Mm -hmm. you will realize that that is 56 miles. That's exactly the distance from uh, the Meadowlands, to the beeves house at Bayshore. Go ahead and look it up. Go ahead and look it up. Tom Brady threw the ball from the Meadowlands to Beeves house and said, this place is disgusting. I quit. It's so bad, man. You are so bad. Go ahead. Go ahead and do the math. Speedy, 300,000 feet divided by 5,000. 000- 280. Do the math. Go ahead. It's 56 miles. That's the distance from the Medellins to the Beavs house. Do the
1: math. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) 56.81. That's pretty (laughs) funny, actually. (laughs) He he threw
0: the ball all the way to the Beavs house and said, this place is disgusting. I'm out of (laughs) here.
2: Jeff, call back later. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, man. He is a piece of work, man. I always, always a good personality, and he has some good takes on what he. And, and I didn't, I, I obviously didn't even look at the numbers on how far the Beeves' house was to the Meadowlands, but that's pretty funny. If it is 56 and a half miles away from the Beeves' house, that's pretty funny. <laughs> that really is. I mean, I'm sure that beef is not happy about that, but I, it is funny. In any way you put it. So uh, when we come back, we will be talking to Baylor's sophomore offensive tackle, Tate Williams, here on the Sports Loud Mouse.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouth. February
2: 4th, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening. To the Sports Loudmouths, I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Check out our website, yes, our website, by going to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our stories. Check out all the shows. Yes, they're live shows. You can tune in. You can call the shows. And, ladies and gentlemen, you can reenact what Jeff just did. On the radio show. So I don't know what you want to do. You want to take shots at anybody, but try to keep it calm and collective and no cursing, please. No cursing. 631 672 3108. Our first guest of the day. We haven't had him on for a year. I'm very excited to get him on again, see how he's doing in Baylor. We are now talking to Baylor, sophomore offensive tackle, Tate Williams. Tate, what's up, man?
3: Oh, not a whole lot. Just been in. Trying to stay warm. <laughs> Pretty icy weather down here in the last couple of days. But.
2: Well, what's the what's the weather down there?
3: Uh, it's been raining, and I think it's been about, I don't know, 28, 29 degrees. Oh. It ain't nothing for you New Yorkers, but.
2: <laughs> well, I, I will say this. I don't know what's going on, global warming, but uh, at, last week we had 50-degree weather, 60-degree, 50, 50 and 60-degree weather. Here in new York uh, it doesn 't make any sense we 're in January now, actually, we were in January now we 're in February. and it usually at this time it 's freezing you 're talking about in the teens snow we had drips and dribbles of snow, not even nothing and uh, we had a couple of rainy days, but it wasn 't even that cold but uh twenty eight degrees over there twenty nine degrees that's that's cold where yeah. you, where and you are
3: now let, they got the road the roads froze and stuff like that, and we 've had off school and everything for the past three days or so, so it shut everything down.
2: Oh, stop. Uh, you want me to send you a coat? You want me to send you a <laughs> nice coat? I have to get a big one. I know you're an offensive <laughs> lineman, but uh, but uh, happy to have you on. How are you and your family doing uh, with the whole COVID-19 since the last time we spoke?
3: Oh, I mean, everybody's been fine. I mean, COVID had not been too prevalent here mm-hmm. ever since, I guess, 21, whenever it first hit, but, I mean, everybody's been good. Everybody in my family has been fine, so sophomore year how was
2: it in baylor i mean obviously you had the opportunity to step on the field uh, a lot of different packages and, and next year will be probably your first full-time opportunity to be uh the star offensive lineman we thought you were going to be so how, how how's baylor been it's
3: good man um i really i really appreciate it this year you know just uh, having the guys in front of me that we had we had five uh I guess the six-year senior, or fifth-year seniors, COVID-year seniors, whatever you want to call it, and um, just having them in front of me was a huge, huge benefit because you learn a lot from that, and um, being able to to learn from them and then play beside them a little bit, especially like I got to play a little bit at tight end in different packages this year, so mm. um, being able to play beside them and then actually get that game experience was good, so.
1: So the last time we had you on the show, you actually were mentioning you, uh, you, who had just bought a house. So uh, what has been the experience mm-hmm. like as a, being a homeowner and the big mm-hmm. difference between that and, uh, living in, in at college in your dorms?
3: Well, I'm um, I'm actually, this is, this is Mikasa, mm. Um, beautiful. Very nice. Yes, sir. And, um, it's really nice that I have my own place. I can do what I want. I can, uh, you know, kind of have more freedom than just living in an apartment, paying rent, um, but, you know, I guess the struggle that comes with it is anything that goes wrong, you've got to take care of it. And then uh, also keeping up with Bills and everything else, which that comes anywhere. But uh, overall, I really love it. And I've got three roommates. I'm renting out three of the bedrooms to uh, some of my friends on the team. And um, uh, it's it's been a good time overall. I really love it.
2: We are talking to Baylor sophomore offensive tackle Tate Williams. I see you're a guitar player over there. Are you starting a band over there? <laughs> no. no <I'm laughs> just a, Just your – well,
3: ain't nothing too crazy.
2: Well, you have three roommates. One could play the bass. One could play the uh, lead guitar. You could be the rhythm guitarist and then singer. And then you have a drummer. Why not? I've actually
3: got a one of my roommates actually plays uh, electric. He can play a little bit of lead guitar. So there you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, I I
2: could play the drums,
3: but I over here, I I
2: I can't go to Baylor to play the drums. But you know, you give me a couple <laughs> of riffs, and I you know, I pound on, I pound on the drums for you. You know, I, you never know. Uh, you know, obviously. I I'm not one of those you know I'm not Lars Ulrich from Metallica but you know <laughs> I I you know I can I can bang a little bit but uh happy to have you on but why don't we go into your your coaching over there uh, obviously you have a coach that uh obviously brought you in and and believed in you what, what what was it like obviously having him as a coach and your offensive coordinator uh moving forward in your sophomore
3: year um you talking about coach randa? coach randa. yep. yes sir. uh no, Co- I, coach coach randa's a great guy. and i've got nothing but good things to say about him my two and a half years being here. he's just been absolutely awesome. everything that he does is um like trying to align us with being a better person before we're a better football player and um in that becoming a better person makes you a better player. is kind of how he phrases it in his Our team meetings, all he talks about is he gives us a lot of like life lessons and things like that to um, try to make us better men. And then, um, I guess his big motto is person over player. And I really like, I really like how he brings that about and talks about, um, uh, excuse me, how he cares about us rather than just. Couple of his football players or employees, he runs it like a family rather than a business, and um, I think that definitely has its benefits.
1: Mm. So, I actually read on on the Baylor website you actually were uh, different games wearing different uniform numbers. Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes you wore seventy seven, sometimes you wore ninety two, based on if you were in tackle eligible formations or not. So, what was that that whole concept being like? Cause I, I know you mentioned you played some tight end a little bit this year too in those jumbo sets. So, what was it like, kind of game to game adjusting to that?
3: Well, uh so I'd come out on the field and I'd warm up in my in 77 which is my O-line jersey and then I'd I'd warm up in that and then go back in the locker room and then wear 92 when I come back outside because I guess they were trying to hide that I was really a O-lineman or I don't really know what the whole deal was but we um uh, come out there and then if if I needed to go in for somebody or he wanted to put me in a tackle I just throw the 77 over the 92 and go out there and then take it off so i had to go for a goal line set or something like that or a tight end jumbo set that we had in fourth and short or goal line whatever and um that was the thinking on that but it was definitely a little tough getting that tight jersey on but <laughs> especially over another one
2: we are talking to baylor sophomore offensive tackle tate williams tate you were 20 and 16 this year uh you had a great season uh played very, very well, and, and you had some big wins. What was the biggest win you believe this year that really put Baylor on top, you know, where everybody was talking about them? Um,
3: I don't know. Honestly, I, it wasn't really even a win. I think our TCU game mm. was definitely a statement for us, Um even though that was probably the biggest heartbreak this season. It was also one of the biggest we can play. You said everybody, it, a statement
2: uh, game. It was a statement game. You, yeah, it, yeah. It, you You guys played very, very close to a TCU team that went to a national championship. Mm-hmm. And you really put yourselves uh, you know in position next year to maybe knock off TCU. Is that what you were trying to say?
3: Yes, sir, something like that. And then <laughs> honestly, I think everybody was kind of, the leadership was questionable mm-hmm. on the team this year. And I think that was our biggest problem is, we lost a bunch of major leaders on the team. You know, if you think about Jalen Petrie, Terrell Bernard, um, Xavier Newman, they're all playing NFL now and doing very well. And they were some of the biggest like stand up voices on the team, and we just didn't have that this year. And so in that game there were several people that stepped up and really um showed some kind of like verbal leadership, mm-hmm. which a lot of them just led by example. But when you have that don't have that verbal leadership, I think it's hard. And that game was a statement for that. Petrie
1: played really well this year. It was one of the best rookie safeties we've seen in a while, the way he played for a really bad Texans team, too. So just from this perspective of the TCU game, like you were saying, uh, the Big 12 has always been thought of like from the national media perspective of us, they don't get it done. Oklahoma is the team that always makes it, they always choke. And TCU, from a national, uh, making it to a national championship games this past year, I know they got blown out, but do you think that says something about the Big 12 as a conference as a whole, especially with some new teams coming in too, as well?
3: Oh, yeah. No, I, I definitely think that um, the Big 12 is something to be, not something to be thrown under the rug. Um, there's a lot of good teams and a lot of competitive teams as well and i think that you know if you if you really look at the sec there's not a whole lot of uh like there's three or four teams in the sec that make it what you really think of it as i guess you know you think of georgia right. or not georgia alabama and then AM sometimes every now and then i think the big 12 is probably the most competitive league that there is based on like an overall standpoint cuz i mean you it, look yeah. at ou oklahoma state um Texas, Baylor, TCU—I mean, those are all teams that you hear and talk about all the time, and so um, or Kansas State as well. I mean, we're always—it's always a competition and a pretty hard-fought game between every single one of those teams. So, I think that Big Twelve is not going to be one to sleep on this year.
2: As everybody knows, we are talking to Baylor sophomore offensive tackle Tate Williams. When when you look at you know college football as a whole, the NILs, the portal. I mean, you can make money now, so obviously when you when you become a starter and you really prove yourself, you can actually make some money and pay for that house, baby. That's what we want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really uh, the opening opportunities for you youngsters to make some money uh, off the field is, is something that I really believe uh, the NCAA should have helped and, and pushed for years. What are your thoughts to the new NIL and the portal uh, for the NCAA?
3: Yeah, I think it's I think it's a. It has its ups and its downs for sure. Um, I, I I like that you can uh, make money because I think it's only fair. Mm-hmm. Um, if if this is going to be run like a business, we should be able to profit off of it because we're the you know, like people like me and all the other players in the league or in the in the NCAA. We're the ones that put on the show and provide the attraction for people to make the money. I think. Being able to make money is a good thing, and I've actually got a couple of nil deals myself, and yeah. I think it's a it's a pretty lucrative deal, and it's a good thing. But on the other side of it, the the portal and the recruiting stuff, it's I think there needs to be some kind of regulation to balance that out, or otherwise it's going to get so far out of hand that um, like small schools and schools that can't necessarily afford to drop millions of dollars on recruits, it's just not going to work.
1: Everyone will end up at Colorado with Deion Sanders because they've already got a right. hundred of them. <laughs> they've already got a hundred of them as it is. Or over only...
3: over at <laughs> Texas or wherever, who knows? Well,
1: te- te- Texas spends all the money and then they don't win any big games, so the, they're they're basically like their NFL team, the Dallas Cowboys. Oh
4: yeah.
1: <laughs> oh please. <laughs> uh, think about it though, college football equivalent. They're both Texas teams. Uh, why not? Maybe Baylor could hire Kellen Moore. Everybody wants to. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, look at uh, you. Look at A and M. They they had the number one recruiting class in the nation. Spent mm-hmm. millions of dollars on them, and then didn't even make a bowl game this year. And but I mean that got kind of goes to show. Um, well, money can't buy everything. Well, so. they have
2: a Manning coming.
3: <laughs>
2: oh man! Oh, that's Texas. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry, Texas. That's has a Texas. Coming. I'm sorry. <laughs> and they're going to figure out their other quarterback, that I feel bad for him. <laughs>
1: Quinn Ewers is a good player, and he, now he's kind of stuck. Oh, you send him to Baylor. Tell Porter to Baylor, hey you guy, go. take him, take him the instant transfer portal. We'll bring in Quinn Ewers. <laughs> They start a rivalry <laughs> with Texas. There you go, Tate. Mm. So some of those NIL deals you're mentioning. So what what are some of those, what are the specifics of some of those, if you could explain them and maybe some that you're pursuing now?
3: Okay. So like, for example, this hat that I'm wearing, the double B hat company, um, I'm sponsored by them. And so any, anytime like I wear it at a, like a public event, I'll get a little bit of like a small amount of money based on where it's at or whatever. And then, Uh, I also get free stuff and I give out, um, like if you you can use my code on the website Mm -hmm. and get 10% off and I get a little cut out of that. So, um, are you trying to, to are you trying to to pitch
2: us? Are you trying to pitch us right now? Do you want us to do that for you? I might have do to do mean? that for you. I might hook you up. Okay, you give me that website. I might buy a couple of stuff, so you can you can make some money, man. Yeah, I, yeah there
3: you go. It's uh, it's it's Double B Hat Company, and the code is uh, Tate seventy seven.
2: All right, you send that to my producer over here, and I will take care of it. I will make sure you get some money, man. So there Sounds you go. Fair. Hey, listen, Sounds man, we, we we gotta be partners here. I mean, uh, you yeah. come on the show, we'll hook you up. You know, it, money is money, man. Any, listen, you gotta pay you know, you have a mortgage. Do you have a car? Do you have a car? Do we mm-hmm. lose? Oh, so he's got a car, so he's got, he's got insurance. I mean, we got to hook this guy up. Speedy, are you going to help out over here? Mm-hmm. I mean, hook a brother
3: up. Yeah, and then uh, the, I guess the bigger one I got, that's, uh, um, it's just in Waco. It's called uh, Startup Waco. It's an entrepreneurship firm here that mm-hmm. kind of helps small businesses get started in, with marketing and things like that. And, um they did a collective with everybody on the team, and uh, we got a pretty good check from them, too. So that's been nice having that extra income. So,
2: as everybody knows, we are talking to Baylor sophomore offensive tackle, Tate Williams. Last question for me, Tate. When you look at the game as a whole and it, it, with the NCAA growing, you have all these different college coaches. Everybody is speaking about so, some of these guys' future NFL coaches. When you look at who you are as a player for Baylor, did you ever think in your wildest dreams you would be playing in Baylor right now when you were in high school and maybe you know, have a chance to maybe step on an NFL football field in the future?
3: Yeah. Um see that's that's kinda where I differ from a lot of college football players is I I grew up on a farm out in West Texas where we grew um uh, cotton, corn, maize, wheat, just you know, I was just your local farm kid and LR my high school was fifty yards from a cotton field. You walk outside, you're walking in a <laughs> in a cotton field. But um um I I didn't really watch football growing up because football season was uh was harvest time and that's whenever we were out working and I'd get done with football games and drive straight out to the farm. And so um my first time stepping on a on a college in a college stadium was uh um in pads. Wow. And so um you know, in high school, I really never even thought of that. I'd never really crossed my mind. I wasn't even going to plan on going to college. To be honest, I was just going to go for him. And, um, uh, my, I started getting phone calls one day and I, the first one I got was from Texas mm-hmm. and I, I actually thought it was a scam. I thought it was like <laughs> a, like a scam caller or something like that. And I said something stupid and hung up the phone. And then I went into my head coach's office. I asked him, Hey, I just got a call from somebody who said they were from Texas. I thought it was a scammer. And I said something dumb and hung up the phone and he cussed me a little bit. And then he told me, he said, no, they called you. That's real. You need to pick that phone back up. And so, um, you know, I just, um, I kind of disregarded it. Didn't really think much of it. Talked to my parents about it and they told me, you're not going to turn down a free education. So, um, I ended up coming here, getting me a degree now. And then now we're headed to might possibly make it to the NFL one day. That's the
1: goal. Why not, man?
3: Those farm yes, cultures
1: could be very could be very tough. I don't know if you if, I don't know if you know this, uh, but uh, even while he was in the NFL, uh, Jordy Nelson still had to go down and do their uh, their rituals, whatever they had to do mm-hmm. in harvest. I think they were doing uh, wheat because he lives in Kansas. I think they were doing wheat over there and mm-hmm. some kind of grain. And his family still had him like do all those rituals during during like right before the season started. Made him travel back all the way from Green Bay just to do that.
3: I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, heard of Clayton mm before. Mm-hmm. Mhm. You've heard that name? Mm-hmm. So, he actually went to my high school and uh he recently passed away. He got in a car accident. I'm sorry to hear oh, that. Damn. I'm sorry to yeah, hear that. Yeah. That was a pretty pretty tough deal, but he always came to my came to the football games. He talked to me after the games and everything. He's just a real great man. But uh he would he went to Angelo State after he got out of high school just so he could be close to the farm and then he went and played for the Patriots for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I I think he still has there season tackle record or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um he came back, he would always come back and work on the farm every chance he got. And um I kind of take him as one of my role models, something like that. And, you know, kind of live up to his standard. So
1: maybe Tom Brady should maybe should have brought Tom Brady there. <laughs> have him have him have another excuse to stay in shape. Could um, you um, see Tom Brady working on a cotton field? Come on.
4: I,
2: I could never see that. Tom Brady is not a cotton field person. No, he definitely isn't. Maybe a vegetable field. Could you imagine him uh, tame vegetables? <laughs> I don't know if you can tame a vegetable, but you know,
1: uh, maybe Tom Brady can. Knowing Tom Brady, he'd find a way to. He'd invent a vegetable like taming. taming.
3: I don't know if you can deflate a vegetable, but.
1: You, you, you probably could. Uh, maybe, maybe Tom Brady has to flay, uh, train, like, Venus flytraps or something like that. And he'd probably find a way to calm them down.
2: That's Tom Brady. But, Tate, we really appreciate you, man. And keep up the good work. We'll get you on the show very, very soon. And uh, looking forward to seeing your first year as a starter. I- I'm excited. And uh, when you become a star, as we believe you will, uh, you go into the NFL, just make sure you-, you remember the small guys, okay? Just remember the small guys. <laughs> yes,
3: sir. But
2: uh, good, good luck, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, bud.
3: Sounds good. Good talking to you all.
2: We were just talking to Baylor sophomore offensive tackle, Tate Williams. Fantastic kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, great person, entrepreneur, and he, he, he grew up on a cotton field. I mean, if you look at all the different athletes that we've interviewed, even young athletes that we've had on the show, this guy, he went to college, bought a house, he's renting it out to his buddies and uh he's going to school so not only is he you know become more of an entrepreneur he now he's doing real estate uh he's getting a business degree and then eventually could be playing in the NFL very very soon uh, a guy that you know in high school never would have thought in his wildest dreams he'd be going to play college ball right. so it, it's a crazy it's crazy when you hear these stories about these kids and and how uh, how they build build their not only their college you know careers, but the way they got and they received the opportunity to go and play college football. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's unbelievable. Tate yes, uh,
1: Tate, you are right. Uh, Clayton uh, Wiesen does hold the Patriots' single season tackle record two hundred twenty nine tackles in nineteen eighty three. Mm-hmm. Very impressive. You don't, you don't see you don't see one hundred fifty tackles usually in a season today with the way they platoon linebackers and safeties now.
3: Mm-hmm. So that's oh, how he was. He was, he was something. about to tell you a story about him. Um, uh, we have a thing in wall called the fall festival mm. and, uh, it's a big thing at the church there and everybody will show up for it and they make a bunch of food. And, um, I was at the church service there and I was having some knee problems at the time and he was sitting in a row right behind me. And I was kind of, um, uh, I was, I was kneeling with my butt on the pew. And then my <laughs> knees were down on the little like spots where you kneel and, uh, I feel this big hand just grab the back of my shoulder (laughs) and he like pulls me back. He said, you're going to kneel in my church boy, or I'm going to have some, (laughs) I don't even know what he said. (laughs) That put the fear of God in me. And I got on my knees. I didn't worry about nothing after that. (laughs) But uh, He was real good, man. Um, Probably one of the best men I knew. And then uh, as well as just being a, just a great family man and a big supporter of the community and just, he was really something else it's kind of kind of a sad deal to, to hear him hear about his loss, so yeah,
2: well, Tate, you keep up the good work, man. Do what you do, man, and uh we'll support everything that you do every every youngster that we 've had on this show, every future n f l and I believe n f l player. Uh, they've every single one of you. Every time we speak to you guys, every single year, we see the growth and personality-wise, and becoming men. It, it's it's unbelievable. I remember you, when we interviewed you when you, you were a senior in high school. So <laughs> it, it's crazy. It really is. So uh, the growth uh, of your manhood and 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 really. Uh, the way your your family, you know, the way you grew up and the way they raised you, it, it's it's unbelievable, and and you deserve a lot of credit uh, as a as a as an entrepreneur and as a student in Baylor University.
3: Well, I appreciate that, thank you. Mm-hmm.
2: As everybody knows, like I said, Baylor sophomore offensive tackle Tate Williams, speedy. Uh, the a, the NFC title game was crazy. That game it was an absolute blowout. Yeah. It was I, I, oh, I remind mean, me. <laughs> first of all, nobody in their wildest dreams would have thought that the San Francisco 49ers would have lost Brock Purdy in the first quarter of the game. Okay? I don't think it would have made a difference. I, I really don't, because the Eagles were getting at him. they 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 were not stopping the Eagles. That defensive line was all over the place, and you saw at the end of the game the way Williams Trent Williams was feeling. He was throwing people around. They were just their minds in in the second half of the game after they knew Purdy was. Purdy came back obviously when Johnson got hurt. They lost two quarterbacks in the amount of really a, a quarter and a half. Right, and then Purdy comes back. He can't throw the ball, and they were running the ball for the rest of the game. Nobody thought after they, Purdy coming, came back that they were going to win the game.
1: They couldn't throw it. It literally felt like I was watching high school football with their offense. Like they couldn't throw past the line of scrimmage. They did it once in the second half after Johnson got hurt initially. Purdy did it once. I think it was a three-yard pass to, to Debo Samuel. That was the only one they had yeah. past the line of scrimmage.
2: The 49ers only threw one, passed, uh, one pass in the, uh, on the line of scrimmage in the second half of the game after Josh... Johnson got hurt, so everybody knew Purdy couldn't throw the ball, including Kyle Shanahan. He knew he couldn't throw the ball, but I, as you saw, Jimmy G smiling on the sidelines, yeah. which didn't make him look good, by the way. And and I know he's not 100 percent healthy, and he they were not going to put him in the game, especially he wasn't dressed up. Could you imagine this guy go all the way into the locker room, get dressed up, and get on the field? <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I couldn't believe the smirk that he had. They were they were getting their butts. You know, ripped apart in, in going into the second half. There was no chance they were coming back. And you, have, you see Jimmy Garoppolo smiling. Yeah. I mean, it didn't look good. Josh Johnson had been a journeyman quarterback, as we know as Jet fans, since 2009. And this was his first team he's been on that has ever even made the playoffs. So he's never played a playoff game. Never. He's never been in the playoffs. That was the first time Josh Johnson was in the playoffs. Well, we know Rob Johnson. He won a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers. But Josh Johnson has never played in in the playoffs. 49ers were 15-0 in games, one uh, one or zero turnovers in a game this season. Zero for five when they had two or more turnovers. So you look at these numbers. They're just ridiculous. The Eagles dominated the 49ers in time of possession, 37-26 to 22-34. has a lot to do with the quarterback play and really the dominance of the defense. The secondary of the Eagles, I told everybody that the Eagles secondary is one of the best in the league. So very underrated. And being that Johnson has been out for you know three or four games, almost I think it was three or four games this year, coming back. In the playoffs was a big boost in their secondary. Big boost. Darius Slade Jr., we know what he is. But getting Johnson back, he led the league in interceptions until he got hurt. It just, to me, it was unbelievable how the Eagles dominated the line of scrimmage, offensively and defensively. And Jalen Hurts, for all the haters out there that thought that Jalen Hurts could not play or could not compete with the 49ers defense, Boy, did he prove a point in that game. And, and the offensive line was dominant. That offensive line, we, we were speaking about Johnson coming back and not being 100%. They controlled Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa, obviously, he was playing hurt. You saw him limping off the field. They dominate a line screen. And I know Nick, at the end of the game, said some interesting things about the offense. And he believes he's, you know, the defense is the only reason why that this team was in position the way they were this year to go to a Super Bowl. And and maybe maybe that's true. Uh, I mean, Fred Warner is one of the best linebackers in football. Nick Bosa is one of the best. He is, to me, the best uh, sacker in the NFL. I I really do believe it. His dominant play all season long. I mean, it couldn't be matched. To me, he's Defensive Player of the Year. It's not even a question. Only four different 49ers players caught passes. Uh, obviously, Kittle, Debo, CMC, and George Kittle, and Ayuk actually caught the ball, uh, was the only players that uh, that that got a pass over 15 yards. The 49ers only had two first downs in the entire second half. The 49ers had three delay of game penalties after Purdy got hurt, and Jimmy G smiling on the sidelines as we saw in that wonderful picture that was posted all over social media. 49ers had 11 total penalties to the Eagles having only four, including four pre-snap penalties for the 49ers. The 49ers had only allowed 11 rushing touchdowns in 18 regular season games. The Eagles rushed for four in that game. Coming into the postseason, the Eagles had only rushed three touchdowns, rushed for for three touchdowns in a playoff game once. They had, they've had now done it in back-to-back games this year. Uh, Reddick had five total pressures on just 14 snaps in the game, leading with two sacks, a fumble, recovery, and he now has 12 total pressures in 36 playoff snaps. Jalen Hurts... At 121 passing yards. Now, those numbers don't stand out, okay? But the way he controlled the line of scrimmage did. And uh obviously sixth lowest total in a winning quarterback in a conference championship game. He didn't really have to do a lot. But when he did, he made enough plays that stood out in the game. It did. And the defense did dominate. There's no question. And Black Purdy not playing. When Jalen Hurts needed to make a play, he made a play. And that's, that's, all, you, that's all you expect from your star quarterback. You're not going to have those games where you're going to throw 353 yards and four touchdowns. If you look at Tom Brady, if you look at what he has done in the Super Bowl, there are some Super Bowls that he didn't stand, he didn't stand out. Right. He won an MVP, but it didn't stand out. The numbers didn't stand out. But when he needed to make a play, he made the play. The Eagles offensive line held Nick Bosa to one quarterback pressure and zero quarterback hits. All Bosa's tackles came against run plays and short passes tackling running backs and receivers. The Eagles offensive line held the 49ers to just two quarterback hit totals, one by Armstead and one by, um, I'm, in, uh, I'm sorry, I, I always pronounce his name, Charles Emmanuel so men who I men who I always mess up his name up, but very obviously interesting, and the Eagles defense had six different players with quarterback hits, so I know we can go up and down these numbers, and the numbers stand out for the dominant for the dominant way the eagles played and i I know everybody's going to blame if Purdy played in the game, the game would have been closer. I just think when you look at the talent and the way the Eagles matched up against the 49ers I don't think, first of all, Purdy never played a defense that good. I'm sorry he didn't. Dallas is a good defense. But in the second half of the season, they fell off. They went from number five, number four in the league to number 13. The Eagles have been a top five defense all season long, stopping the run, stopping the pass. They dominated. And when that secondary got, became whole going into the playoffs, I just think they're just. So much better, even with the talent that the 49ers have. And I I don't know, and I'm going to say this, and I know a lot of people think I don't like Brock Purdy, okay? Everything that I have said on this show would probably consistently tell you that I don't like him. I don't know what he is. Who did he beat this year? Who did Brock Purdy beat? He didn't beat anybody, he did beat Dallas. But did he play well in Dallas? He made the throws. There's no question. He made the throws. He, it was 90% or 85% of his throws. Fantastic. They were short passes. None of them really stood out to be, wow, Brock Purdy dominated. And when he played a defense that good, and when that defense showed up, they put too much pressure on him, and eventually, at, at the end of the first quarter, they, they, they pulled his arm out. His elbow out. And I knew as soon as that his his wrist got smacked, I knew he was done. I knew it. And we've seen this before. It's nothing, it's nothing to hide. When, when a dominant defense, and they're both dominant defense, when a dominant defense plays a an offensive line, which everybody said was so good. Oh, their offensive line's fantastic. The 49ers offensive line. The 49ers offensive line never and hasn't played a dominant defense for the last in the last 6 or 7 games of the season. They didn't beat anybody. As a matter of fact, when Purdy came in, the best team they beat besides Seattle was the Buccaneers. And honestly, the Buccaneers shouldn't have made the playoffs. If the Buccaneers were in any other NFC division or if the Buccaneers were in the AFC, they don't make the playoffs. Definitely not. Okay, they were a crappy team this year. That offensive line was horrendous. They didn't beat anybody. And Brock Purdy, yes, he's the first quarterback to do this. He was the first quarterback to do that. Fantastic. But when it came to going to an NFC title game against a dominant defense and an offense that had their star quarterback back, it was different. It was a different game, a different point of view. I don't know if you were watching the same game, but it wasn't even close. The game wasn't even close. And even if Purdy
1: played... Maybe they score 14 points or, or 17 points. Do they even come close to winning that game? It depends on which Purdy you're going to get and also the play-calling adjustments. Because, again, the Eagles' interior rush, like Dallas' interior rush last week, was the big thing that really rattled him early. Now, the Niners adjusted. They, I think Kyle Shanahan got out-coached in the first half of that playoff game by Mike McCarthy, and then in the second half, he made adjustments. And Brock Purdy played You're night, right? He didn't play like spectacular or nobody he He played like... Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes or something like that. But he played well. He made the throws. He made some tough throws on the sideline and relied on his receivers to do the rest. And that's what you really need him to do at this point in the season and not make mistakes in playoff games like a lot of other quarterbacks have done, like Josh Allen, like Dak Prescott, guys like that. So they needed him to do that. So if they adjusted to that interior play calling or interior pass rush, then... They had a shot. I don't think the Niners would have lost by any any more than probably 10 to 14. But I, you're right. I'm not going to say they definitively would have won the game because the Eagles were still dominating the line of scrimmage, especially in the interior. But
2: everybody thought this game was going to be close. Sure. Everybody
1: thought this was going to be a
2: competitive game, even more competitive than the Kansas City Chiefs and Bengals game, which was very competitive. But I wasn't I was I wasn't surprised that the Eagles dominated I, I really wasn't, and 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 I see Snug saying they won nine in a row. Yes, with Jimmy G before Jimmy G got hurt. I'm talking about Brock Purdy when he took over the reign as the quarterback, as the starting quarterback. Yeah. Who
1: did Brock Purdy beat? It was six regular season wins in a row. Seattle was the highest team he beat nine and eight on the season. They were the last playoff team, but. And, and, and Seattle's not good. Okay, yeah, no, no. let's be honest. No, they're, they're not that good. No, they're a surprise team like the Giants were this year. And probably a, little, probably a little more advanced because they played a harder schedule. But the NFC South was down and their own division was down. The too. NFC was down. The yeah. NFC was horrible this year. And
2: this, if, this, if there was a year that the 49ers could get to the Super Bowl and maybe win, it was this year. Because the NFC will get better next year. Teams will have money, they'll be free agency, and you know teams will be better. Now, I don't know. Tom Brady retires, now he's out of the NFC. Aaron Rodgers could be heading to the AFC, who knows? Maybe he goes to the Raiders, maybe he goes to the Jets. Who knows? You're talking about two of the greatest quarterbacks of this era. They're moving on. One's going to another division, another, another conference, and the other one's retiring. So who's in the NFC? Really, who is it? Jalen Hurts? Dak Prescott? Daniel Jones, Matthew Stafford. Go listen listen to the names we're mentioning. There is nothing that stands out.
1: Nothing. By the way, we have Kenny on the line. Kenny,
2: what's up, man?
5: Well, I I agree with you with a lot of that game that San Francisco probably wouldn't have won. Even if Purdy was healthy.
2: There was no chance. There was no chance. It
5: would have been closer, I
2: think. I don't think so. I I don't think so. They would have gotten seven points. I'm sorry, 17 points. That's where I think. They probably would have had 10 more points. That's a
5: little bit closer. Yeah.
2: What was the final score of the game?
1: 31-7.
2: 31-7. So it would have been 31-17. It wouldn't have been even close. And maybe Jalen Hurts throws the ball more. Maybe he airs out the ball more. Maybe they run the ball more. Okay. By the way, when they ran the ball, they did dominate. And that was a horrible game, anyways. <laughs> well, and I, and I know everybody's going to sit here. And it was a horrible game,
5: and that has a lot yeah, to do but with the injury. I had to injury. watch all of it to promote my channel. Yeah, I went out there. Yeah, and I, I know people
2: are going to sit here and they're going to say, "Well, this promote happened." Show, yeah. nah, and by the way, Kenny, you're you're a good guy, and I understand that when you when you look at the consistency of both of these teams, you expected more from the 49ers in this game, even without Brock Purdy. I think they could have ran the ball a little Maybe bit better. just a
5: little bit more? I'm sorry? Not too much.
2: One-five watching, yeah. I think they could have run the ball better. I, I really do. Definitely. I, I, I don't think they ran the ball enough. And then they started going, and I know they fell behind. But sometimes, and then in the second half of the game, that's all they did. And then, obviously, the 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 Eagles knew what they were doing. The Eagles knew as soon as they lost Brock Purdy and he yeah. came back, they were going to run the ball. And then when they started running the ball, they, they knew. Now, they could have, I think, and, and when something like this happens, they, they should have had plays that made sense. Maybe they had a, a yeah, wide
5: – Really, the Eagles had it easy so far. They're going to play the Chiefs. That's not going to be easy at all. Uh,
2: really? The Eagles had it easy. What was easy about they the Eagles? They
5: played a team that could have barely anybody throw to and a team that didn't have that many good quarterbacks left.
1: They had no quarterback left. They literally had no quarterback
5: <laughs> so left. So really, that's easy. The next team's got a quarterback at a uh, better offense. They should have ran the ball
2: me. more to Christian McCaffrey. He was getting yardage. He should've, they should have fed him the beast. They should have fed him the ball. He was beast. He had 15 carries, 84, 84 yards, one touchdown. If they knew that Christian McCaffrey was their only weapon, they should have. And they didn't use Deebo Samuel enough in the running game. They didn't do that. He, he touched the ball six times, negative nine. And 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 by the way, I, I I understand they had nobody throwing the ball. Why didn't they use George Kittle more? I mean, we the Eagles this year has had problems against tight ends, fast tight ends. Why? It, you're going to tell me that Brock Purdy couldn't throw a, a seven-yard pass or a six-yard pass. He was throwing on the sidelines. He was doing that. I saw him throwing on the sidelines. Yeah. Maybe he can't throw 15 or 12 yards or whatever. You could have had him throwing they were throwing hitch passes in the backfield. I mean that doesn 't work ten yards that 's all you need and when you have the defense that the Eagles have and and, and the way they were putting pressure you know on the offensive line in of the yeah. fourth and by the way the offense the forty nine ers offensive line in the fourth quarter, they were so stressed. you could see it and when, the way Williams was throwing people around i i, I don 't know what to say i, I don 't know how to explain that game more that. It was a complete disaster. If the Forty ers offensive line held up, maybe Brock Purdy doesn't get hurt.
3: He, yeah,
2: they didn't look good. And honestly, I, I, watching the game, as soon as I saw the the first six or seven pressures by the Eagles' defense in in the two drives that they I mean, had, they your, had no chance. Your
5: offense is supposed to protect you as the quarterback.
2: Possibly, yeah. I, I
5: t- there's a lot. They were not even doing that. Yeah, well.
2: Again, it's not easy. It's not easy when you're playing the time. I guess Adamic.
5: they didn't want to try and beat the Eagles. So give it a go. I will tell you
2: this: we have not seen the Eagles use Adamic and Kinsu as much as they did in this playoff game. Yes. and Su was filling in on third downs. All really when the Eagles brought him in, then yeah. all of a sudden they they were playing him on almost every single down, and Adamic and Kinsu was
5: dominant. Yeah, I he remember was seeing dominant. him over and over again. Like, wow, that's a lot of use of that guy.
2: Well. Kenny, we really appreciate you. Uh, how's the geese doing over there?
5: And I will be promoting it every week. What, the geese? That's on. Uh, you're going to promote the geese?
2: Promote the geese, Kenny? So I'm going
5: to promote the show. I'm going to another town on the train line. I run out this train line. I'll be hitting every train line. By the line way, by the going way. Going into other states to promote this show to get. you got to get sponsors. Oh,
4: there you go.
2: you got to know that there there's a show.
5: Maybe they're sports fans.
2: There you go, Kenny. That's, that's what you I found do- a guy the guy that owns a gallery the- that likes
5: sports. By, He's going to tune in Sunday, maybe.
2: By the way, Kenny. What, yeah. One of your partners on the show was wearing a robe. What was he like? What the heck was he doing? Did he take a shower before the know, show? I don't know, man. That's him. Well, I, you need to tell him to dress up like a normal person when he's on a I radio know. show. I'll
5: tell him that, man. Dress up like a normal person. Yeah, tell dude. him
2: he's wearing a robe, man. I mean, I had somebody text me and says, well, who's this guy wearing a robe on a radio show? I, I don't know.
4: I know. know.
2: Jesus. I mean, he, you know, Speedy. You know, like, Speedy was butt naked. You know, on if I had a commercial. Show. If oh. I had a radio
5: board, I would have said, "Put some freaking clothes on when we get back." Jesus.
2: Well, Kenny, at least you were wearing clothes. I don't want to see you naked.
5: Nobody does. Definitely not. I don't <laughs> want to be. I wear a shirt, or I was. That's my promotion outfit. Well, how
2: about you? Are, are you a ladies' man? Me? Yeah, you look like a ladies' man.
5: Uh, not so much. I'm not that successful, so i become successful. Hell yeah. Women like success. All right. it's, it's sexy.
2: Oh, it's sexy? How about how about geese? Are you are you a geese man?
5: Not anymore. <laughs> you want know I'm promoting next week? Yes. Super Bowl weekend? There you ESPN go. ESPN Club. There yeah, that's go. right.
2: There you go, Kenny.
1: Thank you, Kenny. Kenny, ladies and gentlemen, from upstate White Plains, New York, baby. Uh Jeff, I know you were trying to call. You can call back now. I just wanted to get Kenny on first cuz he was waiting. He was waiting for a while. Mm. I'm not sure where Stuart is right now. All right, it's all right. Stuart, uh, Well, no matter what, I I hope Stuart actually comes
2: on because I love Stu and uh, he might be busy. I know he's, he's I know sometimes man. he
1: records his show at this time, so all I don't right. know if he so. he told me 8, but I don't know. All right, so don't know. maybe he thought, Whenever maybe, he thought pops in. maybe he thought 8 central, I don't know, but uh Jeff's here now. <laughs> Jeff, what's up, man?
0: First of all, the Kenny Show is great, and the robes are part of the whole thing. The essence, the eccentricities of the of the, of the whole thing. Oh, I like just, that word. It's eccentricities. It's the it's, it's chef's yeah, it's the chef's kiss to the whole thing. Oh, yeah. But I don't like all this. But I don't like all this Purdy bashing oh, that's going on. There it goes. The, e- the Eagles were going to the Super Bowl regardless. Look at the matchups they had. Okay, say the 49ers don't get there. Who do the Eagles play? The Cowboys. And guess what? <laughs> they don't have a quarterback either. <laughs>
2: You're going to sit here and you're going to tell me that the 49ers didn't have a chance going into that Eagles game at all?
0: They they had it they they had it. They had more of a chance with Brock Purdy with a torn UCL than than if the Cowboys had played with Dak Prescott. Well,
2: uh the beef begs to differ on that one. <clears throat>
0: well, he's well, I mean, look, he's a moron. So, I mean, I don't know what to tell you, there, friend.
2: Well, you know, no, he's not a moron. Okay, his team, his team stinks.
0: His team stinks. Well, I don't when, know about when, when Tom Brady gives up at life because he loses to the Cowboys. That's <laughs> how you know where they're again.
2: at. You're back at this again.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I'm surprised. I was
1: whatever, whatever you were, call, were calling before, and I was thinking you were going to say something about Tom Brady. I never would have thought that would been your <laughs> points, but
0: yeah, that's true. <laughs> and you wouldn't have totally known that I've already done the map from the Meadowlands to Beeb's House, either. <laughs> no, I definitely would have. Knowing, bats. knowing that's, you. That's Homework. Mm. That's homework.
2: Knowing you, I know you're going to do the homework because I know and, you, you right. want to
0: throw him a bone on there. Uh, go, go on Google Maps. Mm. Do the route. Tell me how far it is from the Meadowlands to the Beats house. It's I'm not going to waste my miles. time. I'm not going to waste my time. 57 miles. I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to waste my time doing that. I'm not. And there's another reason why the Eagles are dominant. Hmm? Speedy, give them the reason. Why? Well, because of Jordan Davis. Georgia lineman Jordan Davis. First of all, go back to the draft. Mm-hmm. Did I not tell you this kid was going to be a difference maker? He's yeah, yeah. good. You did. He's good. And is he? Well, he missed a lot of the season, by the way. Yeah, the Eagles he, kind of worked him back. Few, kind of he slowly, missed a so. few games, right? Four he games, missed five games, games. He missed, a, he he missed, a, he
1: missed five games in the middle of the season. And when they, when they worked him, when they came back, they kind of worked him in slowly, where he was more of a rotational guy at that point, because Javon Hargrave <clears> was also uh breaking out and then they why also... would they bring in a Dominican Sue if they oh. thought that he was ready and Linval Joseph
2: Yes. To depth,
0: depth, depth and, and depth and by the way and Dominican Sue didn't cost anything. No he
2: didn't and neither did Joseph.
0: <clears throat> right. So like when you're talking about depth guys that you can get cheap a million bucks, two million bucks, something like that, why not have a Dominican Sue? He's not what he used to be, but he's still a good he player. was
2: fantastic
0: in that game against the 49ers. <clears throat> he was fantastic. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's also easier to play football when you know they can't throw, which is exactly the reason they would have beaten the Cowboys if the Cowboys had beaten the (laughs) 49ers. They can't throw. Well, I I
2: will say this about the AFC title game. First of all, the referees were horrible. It's only
0: going to get worse, you know. uh, It's only going to get worse. Honestly. Do you know know the crew? The individual crew, because what happens is the NFL assigns uh, referees that are overall graded the best from each position from like. Referee, lineman, line judge, like that kind of umpire, that kind of stuff. And I swear to you, go and look at this. They assembled a crew, which they think is their all-star crew. Each one of the guys in each different position threw the most flags of that person, like of that position. Wow, It was so horrible. You're going to see flags everywhere in the Super Bowl. It
2: was horrible, and it definitely benefited the Kansas City Chiefs. There's no question the, the the penalties that went the wrong way went to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I I will say this, Patrick Mahomes playing on a hurt ankle, it was fantastic. You, you see what he is as a talented player. Fantastic. He went out there, and he, and he did what he needed to do to help his team win. Now, I, I understand Travis Kelsey had his own thoughts at the end of the game, and... And, and said, is is not Burrow. What did, he, what did he say? Burrow had my ass. Yes. He, he pretty much took a shot at the mayor. And that's fine. Uh, Cincinnati mayor. And I understand that a lot of people, and that was definitely on their board. It was definitely on the Kansas City Chiefs board when that was said by the mayor of Cincinnati. No question that it was. Patrick Mahomes completed every pass he threw from the outside the tackle box on uh, the run, eight plus miles per hour. Uh, and when holding for only, uh, for as long as four seconds. Outside the box, 6-for-6, six six, plus 31.4%. Completion percentage uh, over expected. On the run, 6-for-6, six six, plus 21.0%. Extended drop back, 6-for-6, six six, plus 23.0%. Ten different receivers caught a pass from the Chiefs after losing Kadarius Toney and Juju Smith-Schuster. I didn't even know he didn't even play in the game. No, he played. He got hurt during. Yeah, the game. I didn't yeah. even know he was because he he got hurt as quick as he did, and also losing uh, Hardman in the first game back since week nine versus the Titans. The Chiefs play, game planned uh, for yards after the catch as well with more than half. Of Mahomes, 326 passing yards coming after the catch, 171 compared to his actual air yards thrown, 155. The Chiefs had 5.9 average yards after the catch per completion. The Chiefs' offensive line only had allowed five total quarterback pressures and 10.2 percent pressure rate. Bengals had two, th- had three sacks, and Mahomes was only hit two other times in the pocket. Uh, total. So, you look at the numbers. The offensive line played very, very well. Very, very well for the Kansas City Chiefs. Very surprisingly, when you, you're playing against uh, the, uh, a team that loves to pass rush on the edge, Hendrickson uh, did get to Mahomes a couple of times, but Mahomes, he, 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 and he held the ball a long time. Mahomes doesn't usually hold the ball as long as he does, and if he does, he moves out of the pocket. Uh, he couldn't move out of the pocket. And every time he moved out of the pocket, you saw him limping on his right foot. So, I understand when you look at the numbers and the numbers share. But here's where I didn't agree uh, to the game. And and it was the second half. And the Bengals have been one of the best second half teams in the NFL. And, and since Halloween, they were unstoppable in the second half. They dominated the second half. And, and everybody knew Joe Burrow was going to come back in that game. And it, he was going to find a way to get his team back in the game. And... I, Joe Burrow didn't really have one of those fantastic games. He didn't play like he did the week before. But he made every single throw that he needed to make to get his team back in the game. And Jamar Chase had a couple of drops. T. Higgins was – did I not tell you T. Higgins was going to have a great game? Yeah, you did. I said T. Higgins was going – and if you look at T. Higgins' numbers against Kansas City in the three games that they won, he he had over – in most of those games, he had close to 100 yards and at least two touch uh, one to two touchdowns in those games. So – I, I look at this game, and I think the referees had a lot to do on the reason why the Chiefs won this game, especially in the second half in the fourth quarter. And that call, first of all, you, if, if that play did not, if the Kansas City Chiefs, let, let's say they, they connected, and they got 10 yards or 12 yards, and that timeout, that timeout was not seen, they would have counted that, that play. They would have counted it. The referees would have counted that play when it, when I forget who was on it. Was it? It wasn't Reed. Was did, it
0: Reed? Did you just did you just call him the Waffleys? That's hilarious. Yeah, I,
2: that, that's why I'm I'm making a joke because that's what you like to do, but um. Uh, the who's was, who's was the coach it, was, it wasn't Andy Reed that called the timeout no it
1: was the, it, uh, it was it was, it was one, an offensive
2: line coach i think it was
1: well it was the it was one of the assistant coaches i didn't recognize i the think name. it was yeah.
2: the offensive line coach that uh that came on the field and called the timeout it wasn't even Andy Reed right. that called the timeout and 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 the fact that the referees at the time allowed allowed the play to go and then all of a sudden in, called the play and, and took the play away and actually put more time on the clock, that was a horrible call. And the NFL should look into that. The NFL should absolutely look into that because that helped Kansas City take the ball down and gave them some points. And, and, and that, what was the score of the game?
1: Tied at the time.
2: But what was the score at the final, at the final time of the game? It was 20-17. to 23-20. 23-20.
1: So,
2: it was a three-point win by the Kansas City Chiefs. If Kansas City didn't take that ball down the field in, in that particular drive, maybe the Bengals win the game. And and that's the problem right here. And I understand everybody. Nobody's going to blame the referee. It wasn't the only reason why they the Chiefs uh, the Chiefs won that game. I mean, the Chiefs did what they needed to do. Especially Jones. Jones dominated. Jones never had a sack in a playoff game in his career. He had two. What he had two sacks in that game? He yeah, had two sacks. Frank Clark had a sack and a half. <laughs> I mean their their defensive line dominated. They did, especially in the first half. Mm-hmm. They were putting pressure on Burrow. Burrow didn't know what to do. He really didn't, but that's the difference. And, and and listen, I do I look at the coaching and on both sides, obviously Andy Reid going into the game, the the advantage went to Kansas City. No question. But as we saw the game started, you know, moving in the second the second half of the game, I think Andy Reid was outcoached. He was outcoached in the game. Now, Andy Reid is now going to another Super Bowl. He won another another championship game. One of the best offensive minds we've seen in NFL history. There's no question that he is.
0: He's one of the best offensive minds you know, except when he has Donovan McNabb.
2: (laughs) First of all, you know how I feel about Donovan McNabb. Of course you're going to take shots at Donovan McNabb. Of course you would. Here is the the chief's defensive stats that I mean, really stood I mean, out in the
0: game. But but you can't argue with that though, mm-hmm. right? Like you like you might like him and that's fine and he might have been, he might have had a, a great career and that's that's fine too. I w- I would I would agree with that. But there's something to be said when a quarterback literally gets physically ill in crunch time. Mm-hmm. Throwing up in the huddle cuz he can't take it. He was he was a he was Doc Prescott before Doc Prescott was Doc Prescott. <laughs>
1: I don't know. Have you seen
2: Philip Rivers on the final drive of games? You know, this is what I mean about you, Jeff. You 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 go from you know Donovan McNabb to Dak Prescott. Where does Dak Prescott get get brought into the conversation? Is Donovan (laughs) McNabb? We we compare errors, right? You were saying, "Oh, Mahomes is
0: like Donovan McNabb was a better quarterback than Dak Prescott, much better." But when it came, but when it came to crunch time, they were both ill. Ill.
2: First of all, Donovan McNabb played in a Super Bowl. Okay, he did. Sure did. He did. Oh, he yeah, almost... no, he's,
0: uh, no, no, no. Make no mistake about it. He's clearly better than Dak Prescott. I mean, <laughs> D- D- Dak Prescott isn't even the best quarterback on his own roster. Give me Cooper Rush for the win. <laughs> oh, you're having a bite. You're having a bite.
1: <laughs> wow. You really Different. are.
0: This, this is this, – hey, listen. You, let, I'm going to do the arrow. Go look at the numbers. Jesus. Cooper Rush threw for a lot of yards. Threw for a lot of yards, right? Okay. And this is what the Cowboys do, right? They play Zeke. Their better running back is on the bench, and Tony Baller. They play Dak, Their better quarterback is on the bench, and Cooper Rush. This is what the Cowboys do. Well, here they play play the crappy guy, and they sit the good player.
2: You know what's so Ginger Cooper Rush. You know know what's so funny with and I like Shannon Sharp. I I really do. I think he's a great broadcaster. I I love what he does on his show with uh, Skip dresser. Yes, he is. Uh, he said some some interesting references to Eli Apple. Um, the guy that talks the most is Eli Apple. I've never seen such an average player talk so much. Okay, and and I I Eli Apple played he's very well. Watch
0: Dak Prescott.
2: No, Eli <laughs> Eli Apple played very well in the playoffs. He played. He had one of his best seasons. He really did.
0: For a guy that... Right, but he's another guy in a big moment that came up small. Like, like he was proving people wrong because he had been playing well and he had kind of been shedding that stigma that Speedy put on him that he's no good. He had kind of been shedding that. Then he ran his mouth and choked in crunch time. Well, Eli
2: Apple's mother, Annie Apple, deleted her Twitter completely after the game. <laughs> Best part that's part of the AFC Championship game. Yeah, that's
0: that, that's about 5 years too late, I think.
2: <laughs> yep. Uh- <laughs> it, it it seems like everybody's taking shots at Eli Apple, especially what he did last week after uh, you know, the the Bengals did what they did last week. So, it, and I I understand Eli Apple Bengals showed some fight though. 100 percent. They went pretty
0: big early, and they fought their way back, and they played some good defense, and they got back. They in did. there's something to be there's something to be said for having heart. Well, which is another thing that Prescott doesn't have.
2: That penalty at the end of the game on on
0: no
2: side. on Patrick Patrick Mahomes <laughs> was
0: a, a dagger. It was a dagger. Yeah, but, and but and by the way, but you know what's but you know what's funny? Go back to earlier in the game, mm-hmm. and Joe Mixon was further out of bounds and got hit, and they didn't call it. So, yes. like, what are we doing here?
2: I would agree with you, and that cost the game. And I understand the referees have to make the calls, and and, he, and obviously
0: they saw it; it was there. But they're, but they're not. They, they made them one. Like, look, if you're gonna call that a foul and you call it a, like or a penalty all game, then fine, you called it all game. But the fact of the matter is, they hadn't been calling it all game. There was There were two other instances that I know of, one with Joe Mixon, where they didn't call it and then all of a sudden you're going to call it, I, it, it it's just incredible that, that that's the – and by the way, in crunch time, you should call less, not call more. You should call less and let the players decide. I
2: would agree with you. I, I And I again, it was at the end of the game, and it was what, almost a minute left of the game. And then they – obviously, it was a bad play, and it was a mistake. And I feel bad for the kid. I, I really do feel bad for the kid because it cost his team a, a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And maybe win
1: their the first Super Bowl in their career, in their existence. I feel bad for him because he's like being singled out as being one to blame. But he played great in the fourth quarter. The Bengals don't get there without him playing as well as he did defensively no. in the fourth
2: quarter. Uh, he he put pressure. He put pressure on Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes, don't get it twisted. He was running for dear life. Mm-hmm. And he was limping. Actually, he wasn't running. He was limping for dear life. And I don't know how <laughs> he's going to be 100% healthy against his Eagle team. And, and the Eagles are a much better defense so much better, much better. I don't know what Patrick Mahomes is going to do in this game. I maybe gets a new leg or new ankle or something. You got to get a lot of shots oh, no. in that leg.
0: What? Oh, no, are you're we... gonna see your Jordan well, Davis. There is it is, be Jordan up Davis up and down the field. Jordan da- with with Hassan Reddit coming off the end and Jordan Davis plug in the middle. Look out, cook out <laughs> his 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 Prescott ankle is about to get a whole lot worse.
2: You're crazy, man. Jamar Chase was held to 75 yards, six catches, his lowest total against the Chiefs in his career. Could you imagine that? You're you're talking about one of the best receivers in the league, and those numbers are pretty good. Six catches for 75 yards, and that's the worst game he's ever had against the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. That really is. But here's the thing. T. Higgins had a good game, but one of these guys had to stand out. And I, I knew it was going to be T Higgins because in, the, in, in a game against the Kansas City Chiefs over the last couple of times they've met, it was T Higgins. It wasn't Jamar Chase in those games. Tyler Boyd getting hurt absolutely hurt him in the second half. When he left the game, it was a different game. And when you can, when you can double those two wide receivers, Tyler, Ball, Ty, Tyler Boyd was definitely the X-factor in this game. I believe he was going to be the X-factor in this game, especially when they put him in the slot. And uh, they didn't use Hurst enough. They did not use Hurst enough in this game, and uh, that penalty. Um, that first of all, they they should have been called. Kansas City should have been called on Hurst a couple of times. They were pulling on his jersey. You watched it, and and Kansas City's had problems against tight ends too this year. All season long, they couldn't stop the tight ends. And Travis Kelsey, I got to give Travis Kelsey a lot of credit. Okay, for. For whatever he is as a player, and this guy is the best tight end I've I've ever seen. I've watched Tony Gonzalez, Tony Gonzalez. I've seen, uh, you know, all these different guys, including your guy Rob Gronkowski. There's a lot of great tight ends I've seen in my time. What do you mean, my guy? Your guy? He's your guy, right? No, i,
0: I not, I'm, He's just a guy that played for the Patriots. Not my guy. You he didn't like him for the You didn't like him. Uh, I think he. I think he changed the position more than any other person has changed their position District. in the NFL. Tony
2: Gonzalez did.
0: No, Gonzalez was great. Mm-hmm. Gronk was like the first guy that was like big and a robot and a bruiser. And Tony Gonzalez wasn't big. I mean, Tony Gonzalez was six, Dude. five, six, Gronk, six. Gronk ch- transformed the whole thing. And I'll tell you the the, the coolest thing about the, that game that I saw, mm-hmm. Speedy would probably be able to help me with that. What was this? Let's um, hear it. <laughs> the there was a uh, defensive lineman for the Bengals his last name is Bell to mm-hmm. Josh Bell or Jay Bell or
1: mm-hmm. I know who you're talking about yeah I forget his first name yeah. so
0: mm-hmm. dude he stood right next to a Osai in the locker room when they were interviewing him after the game and he would literally yell at reporters if they asked him dumb questions <laughs> you got to go check out that clip where where a reporter would be like what were you thinking at the end of the game and Bell would be like, come on, man, stop asking dumb questions. Either move out of the way or ask a better question. Was he your MVP? Stupid. Was you your MVP? <laughs> no, 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 no. <clears throat> not 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 at all. I don't have an MVP in that game because it was marred by refs. The refs ruined that. For once, this would be one of the games where I could say the B would have an argument. <laughs> right? <laughs> Why? Well, because it's not uh, the Cowboys. Well, no, no, no. This would be no because he's he's famous for just always blaming the Wee And Well, so, well, he he actually
2: blamed Dak Prescott on the reason why they lost against San Francisco the other day.
0: As he should. That should be his reason for every game the Cowboys <laughs> play. Every one of them. He told if me if that Dak. Win, if they win, it's because of Ceedee <laughs> Lamb, who he hates. And, and when they inevitably lose, it's Dak Prescott. So, so Jeff, inevitably, if if. if if Dak Prescott
1: has a if uh, like
2: four times, but if,
1: if Dak Prescott has a game like Tony Robo did against against the Broncos, where they lost fifty one to forty eight, when Peyton Manning gave him the lead on that naked bootleg, and Tony Robo had like the best career game of his career, can they if Dak Prescott played in something equivalent? Can they reenact the meme that Tony Robo has of has the game of his life still found a way to blow it?
2: I feel I feel bad for Dak Prescott. I really do. I mean, for the amount of the amount of people has anybody seen the the gifs that are posted up on social media on Dak Prescott losing that game he lost his girlfriend right after the game i mean come on come on he him and his girlfriend break up right after the game i mean how right
0: do- because <laughs> she has eyeballs and she saw what an embarrassment he is <laughs> i i feel bad for the guy I, I mean, well, seriously. If someone, how, right, but they're not married, they're not whatever. It's boyfriend and girlfriend. And if you were dating someone, uh, you date Brittany, okay? Yeah. If Brittany did something to embarrass you and your family so terribly, how long would it take for you to talk to her? <laughs> well, how long he, would it
4: take for you to talk he to her? He lost the game, he lost a football if, game.
0: If Brittany, by some magical reason, embarrassed you in front of your family, right? Mm. How long would it take uh, for you to talk to her again? I don't know. I I never even thought of it. And so Dak embarrassed himself and her in front of the nation. She was like, I can't deal. I'm out of (laughs) here. And that's her right, too. She wants to be with winners.
1: Snook says, Eli Apple and the Jets are destined to find each other someday. What is up with the Jets? This
2: has nothing to do with the Jets. Why do you bring up the Jets? This has nothing to do with them. The Jets are done. They're sitting home. They're playing golf. What are they? <laughs> playing video games? <laughs> but, the only Apple would probably be
1: like the sixth corner of the Jets. Who cares tell, about the Jets? I'll
0: tell, you, I'll tell you what this has to do with the Jets. Oh God, until, until, the, until the Eagles won their championship game... The Empire State Building didn't even know they had green goes. lights on it to celebrate a there victory. He goes. They didn't even know they had green lights on it. That to was so a pathetic when they did that. Oh my. They
2: God. do it all the time. When the Celtics, <coughs> when the Celtics won the NBA championship with Paul Pierce and and and, and Kevin Garnett they they did that on the Empire State Building. I've seen this over and over again. What do you think? This is like the first time you've ever seen it, Speedy? Oh, it's pathetic if they did it for the Celtics. They, so. They've
0: done it. I've well, seen they, it. Well they, had, well, they had to do it for both of those teams because mm-hmm. <laughs> otherwise they'd never use those green lights. Oh, shut up. Well, they, they, they had,
1: shut uh, up, they, Jeff. They finally changed it to the Chiefs afterward, which the Giants fans are not going to be as annoyed
0: with that.
2: I mean, the Jets went to two back-to-back AFC title games. It's not like they didn't put those
0: lights up there. Give, give me a break. The only thing more embarrassing would be if you hung banners for going to those AFC uh, All right,
2: Jeff. Stuff. Jeff, call back later, please. Go. I mean, that would be like, the go. Cult.
0: That's exactly Goodbye, what the cult Jeff. Said. You an AFC finalist.
2: Goodbye, Jeff. Thank you, Errol. Take care. I love Look, you. One babe. last thought. Yeah, boy. Dak Prescott sucks.
0: Jeff. Okay. <laughs> 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 God <laughs> Almighty.
2: Oh, I feel bad for Dak. How could you not feel bad for Dak Prescott? Honestly, the man lost his mom a couple of years ago. He lost his brother to suicide. He almost his career was almost over. He got a, He received his contract last year because of the stupid play call by Mike McCarthy. He slid <laughs> down, and would cost the cost the Cowboys a chance to move on. And then this year, and it's all because of Dak Prescott. Give me a break, okay? Listen, do I think Dak Prescott had a good game against the San Francisco 49ers? He looked like crap. But it wasn't. It's it, it's a team game. It's not just one player. They had a chance to win the game. It was a dumb play calling by, yes, Kellen Moore, who's hey. now who's now, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here, the offensive coordinator for the LA Chargers. Wonderful! Good job, Justin.
1: I can't wait how till the
2: season when they missed the playoffs because how, of that. How long is that going to hit the tabloids to be a disaster? Oh yeah, I can't wait. What the hell are the Chargers thinking? I can't wait. I till, have
1: no idea what they're thinking. I can't wait till Justin Herbert plays a year in that offense and then doesn't sign his fifty. I've had a migraine, plus. by the way. I've
2: had a migraine for like three days and I still have one. I don't know how I'm doing this show. I'm 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 trying to pull forward with this migraine, but I will say this. Okay? Kellen Moore was the Cowboys' migraine. Okay? He is a horrible. As much as everybody hated Jason Garrett, Kellen Moore was worse. He was worse. I, honestly, you look at the Cowboys' offense this year, they were horrible. And I understand they didn't have a lot of weapons. They really didn't. I know everybody likes to talk about this kid Schultz. And he had a
1: great, oh, great season. Wonderful. He's a top half of the league tight end, but he's still not great. Okay.
2: They had C.D. Lamb. That's what they had. Ezekiel is a completely torture-proof, okay? He's a $17 million fullback and center. He is horrible, okay? And, and Pollard, after losing Pollard in the second quarter, I knew they were done. And they better figure out what they're doing with
1: Pollard because if he goes to another team, shame on them. Mm -hmm. He'll be headed to Miami or Buffalo and look like a top five running back.
2: Shame on them if they let him go because of Zeke Elliott. They need to get rid of Zeke as fast as they possibly can. And I don't want to hear it from the beef. He told me, well, Zeke might take less. Why would you want him back? (laughs) Even if he takes less, how much less do you think he's going to take? $6 Six million less. He's still making ten million. So he's still
1: making eleven million dollars. He's not worth ten million dollars. He's, he's still a top ten paid running back for a guy that's not even a top twenty running back. He stinks. <laughs> he stinks. And Kellen
2: Moore, what a disaster! I feel bad for the what the Chargers gave up one of the, the biggest leads we've seen in playoff history. Okay, 99%. one of the one of the worst we've ever seen against the Jaguars. Yep. To, to consider all the teams to, to, to let t- that team come back. Against, but not only that, you have a quarterback in Justin Herbert. I think is a star, a stud, and you decide to bring Kellen Moore in to
1: help him develop even more. What are you nuts? Mm-hmm. I can't wait until he plays a year in that offense and then says, "No, I'm not signing my fifth year option. I am going to bolt the bolts." It's just horrible. I I don't I do not know what the Cal- I'm
2: sorry what the Chargers are thinking, but you know what. Uh, it's just bound for disaster. That's all I'm going to say. As we know what happened to Mike Williams the game before the playoffs, which probably caused the Chargers to move on mm-hmm. against the Jaguars. And who knows what would have
1: happened? Who knows? Mike Williams is the best Contested catch and uh, four, was the best contested catch and fourth quarter wide receiver statistically this year. Yeah, you would have wanted that to be able to ice the game against the Jags. Oh no! Meanwhile, you blew a twenty-seven nothing lead. It, it doesn't nice make going. any sense. It doesn't make any sense. But, anyways, we're
2: we're gonna move towards hockey now. The Islanders trade Anthony Bevillier, uh Antti Ronti, and a first round pick for for the Canucks center, aka captain. Bo Horvat. When I heard this, and by the way, shout out to Jeff. He texted me. I was at the gym. I was working out. And I was wondering, I was was getting calls from Josh. And I was getting calls from this guy. uh, I was getting emails from people. And you were right. And we had a post on our Weekend Crunch. And we had a video that is, by the way, is rocketing right now. Over a 1,000 views, 2,000 views, whatever it is, on YouTube. That you were right. You were right about Bo, Bo Horvat. When I look at this trade, and Speedy, I called you right when I heard that this trade went through. And I asked you. What did I ask you? You asked me if I liked it. And, and what did you say? I thought it was good value. Good value. Mm-hmm. Now, I did not want to trade on Tiranta. I didn't. I, I really didn't. When, when I look at the kid, he's 20 years old. Uh, this guy, at one point, could have been the number one pick in the draft two years ago. He could have been. And he had a bad season, and he fell to the second round. And it was a great steal for Lou Lamoriello, which, by the way, has not drafted a first round draft pick in almost three years, and won't anymore either, as as we know. Well, that's not true because if the Islanders fall apart, they still protect they still protect this first round draft pick this year. If they're oh, in the okay. top twelve, if they're in the top twelve, uh, it does not go to Vancouver. It will go to them next year, no matter what.
1: Okay,
2: but. Horvat is one of the best face-off guys in the NHL. He really is. Top three. Um, he's won 625 faceoffs in 49 games this season. An average of 12.75 face-off wins per game. Horvat had 625 face-off wins. In, is second in the NHL. Once, once to, I'm sorry, only to Patrice Bergeron, who has 689. Horvat is sixth last season with 841 face-off wins. Horvat has 31 goals in 49 games this season, already tying his career high, which was last season at 31. Horvat has 31 goals on 143 shots on goal, which gives him 20 uh, him a, a 21.7% shooting percentage among NHL players with over 100 shots on goal. Only the Jets... Um, uh, Shif- Shifley, uh has a higher percentage at 22.8%. Total ice time for Horvat is 20 minutes and 48 seconds per game. Seventh highest among the NHL forwards. Total ice time. I'm sorry. Horvat has four different head coaches in nine years. Nine years. Could you imagine that? Nine years in the NHL, he has four coaches already. Horvat during the Hub City playoffs, had 10 goals in, 12, in 17 playoff games for the Canucks, leading them to a conference semifinals. The deepest they have gone into the playoffs since the Stanley Cup loss to the Bruins in 2011. Horvat has an average of 1.1 points per game, which is tied for 26 in the NHL. There are only four players... That have over a thousand face-off attempts. And two are now Islanders. Pajot and Horvath. So the Islanders have two of the best face-off guys in the NHL. That's a benefit. That is 100% a benefit. And if somehow the Islanders squeak into the playoffs. And they could. They're only two points behind the Penguins. If they could squeak into the playoffs. Having a phase, two face-off guys that can do that. Is a benefit. The Rangers have had problems. Yeah. For years on faceoffs. And it, it cost them. Against Tampa, it cost them against Tampa. That's why Tampa went to the Stanley Cup finals last
1: year. And Tampa wasn't even that good at face-offs either. They are just better than the Rangers. They killed the Rangers in that series, especially in the last two games of that series. Mm-hmm. Killed them. Hence why I wanted them to try to trade for Horvat or trade for another center and keep cop. Nope. No problem. Nothing. Nothing there.
2: Horvet is tied for 16th in offensive point shares with 5.2. Offensive point shares are estimated of the number of points contributed by the player due to his offense. For comparison, Connor McDavid leads the league with 9.6. Could you imagine? Now, he is not compared to Connor McDavid. Okay, Connor McDavid is the best player by far in the NHL. But to see what Horvet has done on a Vancouver team that's not even that good. Right okay? Not even that good. No, the Islanders are not that good either, okay? Automatically Horvat is the best player on the Islands. It's not even an argument. He is that much better than anybody on the Islanders. So Brock Nelson, Horvat was going to the All-Star game. Is he going to the All-Star game with
1: the Islanders now? I don't know. They said he's going to wear the Pacific Division jersey during the actual game, but during the skills competition he's going to wear an Islanders jersey, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense, but whatever. That's the All-Star game. Yeah, yeah well. Yeah, well, again, the Islanders are a
2: laughingstock, but H- Horvat is tied for 10th and adjusted Goals created, which is 37. Adjusted goals averages all players out of 82 game schedules and league average performances uh, of six total goals per game and 1.67 assists per game. I mean, this guy, and I, I don't, I don't know if the Islanders gonna. The Islanders need to resign him, okay? And and we're hearing there he's looking for a seven year, uh, eight and a half million dollars. Now, if the Islanders could get him for seven years, eight and a half million dollars, and promise him that he will be consistently on Barzell's line. Why would he want to go anywhere else? He has a chance to play with a, a talented kid who needs that other consistent offensive player. Barzell, okay, he's one of the more talented players we've seen in the NHL in a very long time. Now, is he Connor kind of McDavid or, or Dreisaitl? He isn't. But you put Bo Horvat as his center... You move Barzell to the wing, and maybe they put Zach Parisey on the other side, and maybe they go after another guy. and And I've heard that the Islanders are interested still in Timo Meyer. He they're still interested in Timo Meyer, and they still could bring him in if they could trade
1: Bailey's contract, which right. they might be able to do. Just send him to the Coyotes with all the other bad contracts. Well, they're also
2: looking at uh, what's his name again on the Coyotes.
1: Um, yeah, you, the, you, Lawson Kraus,
2: I think was the one they were yes. looking at. Yeah. So they're they're they're. they're they're looking at other players, and they're not, they, they're not done. If the Islanders want to get into the playoffs and make noise in the playoffs, they need to make more moves. But Bo Horvat is definitely a positive, not a negative. L- losing Anthony Bavillier, he's a great playoff player. Look at his numbers this year. What does he have seven goals?
1: It's very streaky throughout his career. He had a two, two years in a row great, and then
2: since then. Maybe he does better with apart. Vancouver. Maybe he needed a change. Maybe going back home to Canada. Now, he's not from Vancouver, but he gets a chance to play in front of his family more. Maybe that will benefit Bavelier. We've seen other players move on and have better careers. He yeah, has nine goals, 11 assists this year. I mean, that's that's not good enough. That's not good enough.
1: Not for the Islanders. Maybe for Vancouver and Rick Tockett. Now, that'd probably be like a third-liner on Vancouver, because Vancouver, their problem isn't offense. Their problem is injuries, and their problem is defense this year. Even Thatcher Demkos, kind of like you were saying with Sorokin at a certain time, standing on his head.
2: The Islanders are, are one of nine teams averaging less than three goals per game at 2.85. The Canucks, despite only having 43 points of the season, are 10th in, in, in that category with 3.31 goals per game. I wonder why. Mo Horvat has been a big yep. part of their offense. And 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 adding a captain to this team. Now, Andrews Lee is the captain of the Islanders. But adding a guy, a leader to this team. He's 27 years old. He's still very young. He's in the prime of his career right now. And he has a chance to really shine as an Islander. He really does. He will become automatically a fan favorite. 100%. And I love what he said when he got traded. He says, I want to I want, I want to be the X factor of this team. I want to go there and I want to help this team out no matter what I need to do to make this team. And my family is excited to go and and take this challenge on in the isle, on the island. Now, I think he'll love Long Island. I think Bo Horvat will love Long Island when he gets just... And and Lou is not going to wait until the off season. I and I said this, wait until the off season and make a move for Bo. I think Lou is going to have to talk. And speak to Bo Horvat and, and, and speak to him and, and talk him into uh, staying with the Islanders. Because if he went to free agency, and I believe this, he was going to Boston. Everybody thinks that he was the piece that the, uh, that the Boston Bruins were going to add mm-hmm. to replace Bergeron. Right. This guy is one of the best face-off guys. Bergeron is the best face-off guy. Mm-hmm. Bergeron's getting up in age. And the Islanders need to seal the deal with this guy because they cannot wait until the offseason when he becomes available.
1: Yeah, you might expect eight and a half million dollars now with the seven years, but you're going to have to expect a lot of benefits with that deal if you're going to be. Well, able to he's do
2: asking that. for um, what I've heard. is he's asking for seven years worth about eight and a half nine million dollars.
1: Yeah, I think nine million dollars probably is the is the league average, the market value that he's going to going to get. But again, if he co- continues to play as well as he has this year with the Islanders, who don't have as much off offensive talent as Vancouver around them, then that might even get to nine and a half at that point.
2: You know, it's interesting because you add somebody like Horvat to Barzell. You're talking you're about Barzell not being even if he is the facilitator, he's going to average more assists, more points, and maybe more goals because Horvat can pass too. He's a really good passer, uh, and he's, to me he's the best player. And this is the player they've been looking for. They've been trying to look for a player that can compete and and skate with this guy Barzell. Horvat is a fast guy. He's fast, he's strong, he's got good hands, and I think it, it really fits what the Islanders are trying to do. So, uh, yes, Auntie Ranta could be, turn out to be a superstar player for Vancouver. He really could. And being that, and I, I was talking to Mikey C today, if Auntie Ronte let's say, comes, comes on the Vancouver, shows up in the second half of the season on Vancouver, and he scores 20 goals in the second half, he believes that Vancouver could win on this deal because he's 20 years old and Horvath's 27. I disagree. Because the Islanders don't know what Auntie Ronti is. They don't. They really don't know what he is. And even if he scores 20 goals this year and he scores 22 goals next year, the Islanders are the oldest team in the NHL. They're ready to win now. And Lou Lamorello, obviously wants to win now I, I've said it on my show I said they should trade away pieces and rebuild in the offseason to be a playoff team next year but with Sorokin who's one of the top three goalies in the NHL right now he's going to be up uh, for for goalie of the year and th- this team does not play well in front of him as a matter of fact since Pelic has been out they their teams are averaging over 30.6 shots a game
1: yeah and Sorokin has gotten shelled, I think, with 40-plus shots on goal, I think four different times since then. So. I mean, it's it, it's horrible when the Islanders are looked at as a defensive team. Mm-hmm. And the Islanders actually, I saw another stat, too. The Islanders have actually allowed, since Pelic was hurt, I think the second most high-danger scoring chances in the league, too, which says everything you need to know about Sorokin, too. All the tough saves he's had to make on a lot of that, too. Shots from the point inside the crease, Moves in front of the net, too. Anything like that that's a high-quality scoring chance. I think only Anaheim, who's, I think, the second-worst team in the Western Conference, has more allowed than the Islanders this season.
2: I mean, you sit here today, and again, this is not going to get the Islanders into the playoffs. One guy is not going to get them into playoffs, but it gives them hope that... Maybe Lou Lamorello has something up his sleeves. We've seen him do this at the trade deadline. As a matter of fact, he was executive of the year two times in a row because of the trades that he made at the trade deadline. He gave up his first round draft pick going into this offseason. Now, it's protected if the Islanders are a top, you know, 12 worst teams in the NHL. Right. I don't think they're going to be a bottom feeder this year, now that they had a bohorvat. And I think that Lou Lamorello is going to find his way into the uh, trade deadline again, where he's going to have his hands deep, dig deep for one of these top young players that are going to be available. And Timo Meyer is definitely a guy the Devils are very interested in. Timo Meyer, so are the Rangers. And but uh, I've heard that the Devils are very. Very deeply interested in him, and they have a tremendous farm system.
1: If I'm the Rangers, I want his teammate. I want Tomas Hurdle on that team. I need they need a faceoff guy. They need a center. If boss. he's available, I don't know how available he is. Myers is a free are, agent after that. Yeah, there. if the Sharks are rebuilding, I'm, it's worth to consider at least looking at the value of it. I don't know. The Rangers have a lot of good young players they could trade. And imagine if the, the Rangers pursued this kind of thing with with Horvat too. Because I actually thought the Islanders got really good value. I thought they were going to need one more player for that kind of thing. I was thinking maybe one of their not necessarily. Not Another A-level prospect, but maybe another B-level prospect or a young player on the roster right now that's making an impact. I thought they would have needed one more. I thought the Islanders had good value in this deal. Oh,
2: they did. And I, if, if they can sign Bo Horvat, which I believe they will, Lou wouldn't have made yeah, the trade right. if he didn't think he was going to get this done. And, and Lou already said, I, we would hope that we can get this done before the season's end. And, and I know Horvat is not going to want to sign a contract during the playoffs if they make the playoffs. Right. So uh, they're going to try to close the deal after the All-Star break, I'm sure of it. Uh, they don't want Horvat to go to free agency. If he goes to free agency, he can choose wherever he wants to go. And we've seen this before, John Tavares being one of them. If you let this guy, a talented player at his age, at the prime of his career, one of the best centers in the league, out there in free agency, you're screwed. And, and, and the Islanders know that. So Lou needs to close this deal a lot quicker than we expect him to do. But um, they need another piece. They need another weapon. Uh, They're still very weak in their second. And I I, I understand Mikey C was saying that the second line of the Islanders with Anders Lee and Brock Nelson and I think Paul Mary, I think he's playing on that line right now. uh, They've played very well together. And and he believes that the Islanders believe that that is their strong second line. I still think they need to add another winger to that Barzell line. You put Timo Meyer. With Bo Horvat and Barzell, you're talking about one of the best young lines in the NHL. So, uh, and they need to do that. If they want to compete against these elite
1: teams... In the Metropolitan Division and in the Eastern Conference, they need to make a move like that. Mm-hmm. Even if again, even if it's a player that's not necessarily a All Star type level player, even just a faster, like good winger, they need to just create some team speed to balance out the top three lines because the fourth line is going to be the fourth line. They're going to be physical with Sazik. out for the season, right? right. With Sazik, Zizek, Zizek, and Martin, whoever else they healthy scratch guys that whatever they rotate. Well, they're, they're going to move Fashing uh, when he
2: comes back into that fourth line right. so
1: either way the the fourth line is going to be physical but the top three lines they have to get more speed on it collectively as a team too so again even if it's not like a top top player i was mentioning the blues as another mm-hmm. team that might be selling pieces too somebody like a jordan Cairo, who's a young player too like yeah he's he's only been a good goal scorer the last couple of years but for the cup team he still was a very he still or not a cup team the year after that cup team he was still a very impactful bottom six piece in that just bringing speed because the blues were a lot, a lot like the Islanders. When the blues won the cup, they were built very similarly. They had some team speed, but they were built more on physicality and defense, kind of like the Islanders were when they made the playoffs and made the back to back Eastern conference championships. So they might be trading off those types of pieces and, like you mentioned with Coyotes with Lawson Crouse not an electric goal scorer I think he has 16 but he's still it's still something that you would want to work with to be able to work with on the third line or the second line to try to space it out with those veterans too yeah not everyone's going to be able to skate with each other all the time because the Islanders are an older team and the team speed element of the second line is going to hurt but they just need something to make other teams skate and get in position properly too because the Islanders can't just rely on these tough goals all the time no and they've been dealing with that and by the way the Islanders are the worst third-period
2: team in the NHL. They're horrible. That's so weird to think because the first month of the season, it looks like one of the best. <laughs> they're horrible. In, in the last 20 games, this team cannot score. And as a matter of fact, I've seen games that the Islanders would go into the third period up 3-1 to one and then lose the game. Go to overtime, give the team, give whoever they're playing – the, the two goals, and then they go to overtime and lose in overtime, not even in a shootout. And by the way, the Islanders, I think, have won one shootout all season long.
1: I'm not surprised. They don't have a lot of players with a lot of speed and that much, like, stick-handling skill beside the Barzal. It's very hard for them to win like that. I
2: mean... <laughs>
1: That's I, why they can win overtime games in the playoffs, but in the sh- for shootouts, built up to get extra points, it's hard. And in losing Anthony Bavillet, he is a good player. He is. He...
2: he in the playoffs, uh, if you look at what he's done the last two years in the playoffs, uh, well, last year they didn't make the playoffs, but the year before that, right. they were fantastic. he was fantastic. He was a big part of their runs when they went to the Eastern Conference Finals back-to-back years. As a matter of fact, the year before that, when they went to their first Eastern Conference Finals, he led the team. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, he is a great playoff player, and if Vancouver makes the playoffs, uh, that that'll be great. He still has a year left on his contract, so he is going to play another full year. Uh, with Vancouver, unless Vancouver trades him, so I mean, looking at this trade, the Islanders win it. They have to find a way to sign Bo Horvat before the season's end. If they let him go to free agency, he will go to Boston. He will go somewhere else because there are many different teams that have enough money where he can win a Stanley Cup, where he believes he can win a Stanley
1: Cup better than the Islanders. So, right, right. and you look at you look at a case where the the contracts now with Barzal – he got the $9 million, and Horvath probably is going to get something like that, too. And the I'm Allen, hearing he wants eight and a half. If, he, if they get eight and a half, that would be tremendous. But either way, like they're going to— Well, f- if he
2: wants this team—and we, we've seen John Tavares. I, we, we've seen what John Tavares did. He took less money to go to Toronto right. because he wanted to sign better players because he wanted to win.
1: And Matthews got a huge contract with them, too. 100%.
2: So. And now Matthews is going to be a free agent after next year, and he's probably going home to Arizona. And, and that's what I, I if you want to ask me my honest opinion, besides Chicago, you watch. I guarantee you, somehow or some way, Phoenix is going to get Bedard. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now.
1: Matthews and Bedard. That'd be interesting. I'm telling you
2: right now what's going to happen. And I heard Mikey C. He says, I wanted the Islanders to get into that top six so they can have a chance
1: at Bedard. I don't They're, think not be Bedard. Now. <laughs> They're not getting Bedard. They're were, not getting Bedard. They were still in that competitive They're realm. never going to win the lottery. You're not the Islanders. They've been, I think they were in the league 19th in total points. They're not, they're not going to be in the bottom six with teams that are legitimately bad. They had no chance. Arizona, Chicago, Anaheim, Montreal, and Columbus those five teams, especially, are legitimately bad. Mm -hmm. The Islanders, even if they did struggle. Even before they traded for Horvat, even if they did struggle, their two a points more, have a playoff spot. They weren't going to be yeah, they weren't going to be that far down when you're considering that not every team's going to be that hot forever. You need like five other teams in the Eastern Conference to get hot for the Islanders to even be third worst in the East. They had
2: no chance against Bedard. And listen, Bo Horvat is a nice consolation prize. Uh, I'll tell you right now, cause... better than a consolation prize. That's for sure, a hundred percent. James Dolan. Speaks publicly for the first time this year. Speaks uh, very high on Leon Rose, and I will sit here. And I, there's a lot to talk about, not just with the Knicks, uh, without the throughout the NBA. I mean, LeBron James could be, you know, he could be traded at the trade deadline. Yep. And there's a lot of talks that he he could be traded. I mean, Phoenix is interested in him. I uh, he, he wants to stay out west. That's what I've heard. Uh, and there are quite a few teams that might be very intrigued in making a move for a Le- LeBron James. He, he, they might be a piece away. We've heard Phoenix was very interested in Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's going nowhere. Uh, so why not go after the cons- consolation prize of LeBron? LeBron's He's not the LeBron James that we saw with Cleveland. But look at his numbers. I mean, you put him on Phoenix... How how unstoppable are they going to be?
1: Yeah, no. and Chris
2: Paul's always wanted to play with them.
1: Mm-hmm. Since Chris Paul's come back, the Suns are. I think you like the team. they I think to Chris
2: play. Paul is Bronny's uh, godfather. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that he is. So, Chris Paul is very very close with LeBron James, and LeBron tried to draw Chris Paul to L.A. And I remember when Kobe was there, Chris Paul was very close to being of course. with L.A. Before, the of be, trade, before, yeah. b- before David Stern got in the way with, uh, of it because, you know, the NBA wasn't going to allow it.
1: Yeah, yet they allowed Kevin Durant to go to Golden State.
2: Or they let <laughs> Kevin G- Garnett go to the, the Boston Boston um, Celtics. Celtics yeah. You know, so I, I think when when you look at the Knicks right now, and Julius Randle, that, that contract was horrible. It really was. But the Jalen Bronson move was fantastic. Uh, it definitely worked out. and It's really shown to be the biggest move that Leon Rose has made since he's taken over as the, I guess, president of the New York Knicks. But not only that, um, R.J. Barrett's contract was fantastic. It's a good contract. It's a trade-off. But they, they had a chance to bring in a superstar player. Another superstar player at the, in the offseason. And let him go to Cleveland. And it, it will, it has affected them. If Donovan Mitchell was a Nick right now, with Jalen Brunson the way he's playing, excuse me, Donovan Mitchell is right now an MVP candidate. Now, he's not going to win because Embiid's having a fantastic year, Joker is having a fantastic year, Tatum is having a fantastic year. We know what the Greek freak is doing. Luka Doncic is having a great year. There's too many great players having a great year, but Donovan Mitchell right now is a top 7 top 8 player right now in the NBA. And the Knicks could have drafted him about 14 years and years ago, but thanks to Phil aka Stupid Jackson, who by the way Donovan Mitchell grew up a Knicks fan. He did, he he grew up around the Mets. As we know, you know Donovan Mitchell's father played for, you know, and, and worked for the New York Mets for, for years. Yep. He wanted to come to New York. And now the Knicks have to wait until he's 29. If he wants to sign with the Knicks when he becomes a free agent. He, he even said when the ESPN interviewed him after he was traded to Cleveland, he said it was a foregone conclusion I was going to New York. Mm-hmm. That's where I thought I was going. And then somehow Cleveland came out of nowhere and scooped me up.
1: Mm-hmm. Even in uh, something he said recently, like two weeks ago, he said there was still hope for that kind of thing, too.
2: But James Dolan coming out. And I like that James Dolan is going to stay out of basketball decisions. Because he's been horrible at basketball decisions, especially the Carmelo Anthony second contract. That was horrible. Yep, And that set the Knicks back for years. It really did. And I love Carmelo Anthony. He was a big part of the uh, the fifty four win season that the Knicks had and they lost against Indianapolis when I believe they should have went to the Eastern Conference Finals against Miami they were the second best team in the East mm-hmm. and they lost against Indiana that year and I I was just shocked and that had a lot to do with uh, you know just stupidity but um, I'm I'm uh, thank you to Amari Stoudemire punching you know punching you know extinguishers I mean the guy's an idiot but yeah I I look at the Knicks, and I sit here, and ha- have they had a successful season? Yes. Do I think Tom Thibodeau is the guy to lead this team? No. I don't, and I I, I love Tom Thibodeau. I was one of the supporters. I'm the one who wrote a story yep. the year before they brought Tom Thibodeau that they should bring him in. He is not the guy that is going to help bu- build these youngsters, the Grimes, the Obi Toppins, the Quigley's. They need to bring in a guy that is good with youngsters. That can get these youngsters in these lineups, these starting lineups, have them playing. Opie Toppin should be playing 25 to 30 minutes a game. Not Julius Randle. I don't care what Julius Randle's doing this year. He's a borderline all-star. I don't care. Julius Randle stinks. He's an overrated player who should not, I repeat, he got booed off off Madison Square Garden floor the other day because he shot the final shot. Yeah. Jalen Brunson should be shooting the final shot. He is the best player on a team. And RJ Barrett's had a sensational... He really has. He's gotten better. You want to see your youngster, who's 23 years old, grow. His first year, he averaged 14 points. His second year, he averaged 17 points. This year, he's averaging 20 to 21 points. I expect next year... 24, 25. That's what I expect R.J. Barrett to give me as, as a New York Knicks fan. Has Leon Rose been better than I expected? Yes. Do I think Leon Rose is the answer? No. I don't. Remember, this guy was an agent. He was a sports agent. He was Chris Paul's agent. He was Carl Anthony Towns' agent. I I like what he's done, but it's not enough. Making the playoffs is not enough. This is the mecca of basketball. I don't want to hear James Dolan tell me, well, I like what he's doing. He got lucky with Jalen Brunson. He did. He got lucky. And I I told all these basketball gurus that have come on the show that told me that Jalen Brunson's going to be a bust. I said, well... I think you're wrong, and I think you're going to learn very, very soon that this kid could play, and he could play in New York, and he wants to play in New York, and that's what you want. You want a guy that wants to come to New York, and he wants to show himself
1: on the biggest stage in the world. He even took two charges inside for a point guard, and under a six-foot point he guard. He took
2: less money to come to New York.
1: <laughs> against the Lakers yesterday, he took two charges, a six-foot point guard inside against, I think, I think Hachimura was one of them, and then against Anthony Davis in key points of the game. And you were worried about your, his defense. Yeah, okay. First of all, his defense is—he's been much better than he was
2: when Dallas. Oh yeah. And Tom Thibodeau is, is obviously pushing him to play uh, better defense. The problem right now is Julius Randle. If the Knicks have any chance of getting Zach Levine, and we're going to get into this Zach Levine thing because it's—it's it's very interesting. I I know Zach wants out. Zach wants out of Chicago. He does. Everything that we've read is that he wants out. Levine has mentioned rifts between DeMar DeRozan and head coach Billy Donovan as the reasons why he he wants out with the Bulls. Lakers, Heat, and Mavericks among the teams interested in Levine, along with the Knicks. Levine wanted to be a Laker in the offseason, but the Lakers didn't have the cap space. Bulls say that they will not trade Levine to Miami without Tyler Hero because uh, he's he, he's the best player involved in the deal. Analysts at the NBA uh, Network believe that Levine, recently frustrated, uh, could allow the Knicks to get him for uh, Evan Fournier, Hardenstein, Cam Reddish, and two of their first-round picks, and maybe a swap of pick uh, of a pick in 2026. The Knicks are likely to trade Fournier as a uh, first priority to make a cap situation work, but haven't ruled out Julius Randle either. The Knicks have also been massively linked to Raptors OG Anobi. Uh, by the way, I don't want him.
1: I don't know. I'm, I don't I'm want hearing. Him either.
2: To give up three first-round draft picks that I'm reading that they're they're going to have to do to get him is a terrible trade for the Knicks. He's a good player. And I understand that he is a Tom Thibodeau guy. He's a defense first, offense second. And his offense has definitely been better this year than it's ever been. He's averaging 16.9 points per game, 5.5 rebounds. He's on my fantasy team. He's a good player. Is he a great player? Is he worth three first-round draft picks and possibly lottery
1: picks? Not a chance. If the Knicks are going to trade for something else, trade for a four or a five. Get some depth. because you're going to trade three first-round draft picks, trade for Levine. You know, yeah, obviously, but I'm saying if you're not – if you are. If somebody else trades for Levine or you back out on the deal of Levine, at least if you're gonna trade for another piece that's kind of that second or third tier type player, trade for a big guy, not a they haven't the Knicks have enough wingers as it is. The Knicks have enough in this system, they can make anyone look at Emmanuel Quigley. Emmanuel Quigley's played well defensively this year in Simado's system. You don't need a defensive type winger just because he fits.
2: I just I, I I'm looking at this and I, I know the the Knicks are also linked to Brandon Ingram. Okay. Brandon Ingram Ingram's a great player. I remember uh, obviously, played play for Duke, and as everybody knows, I'm a Duke fan. And again, not a Shire fan, but oh, I'm a Duke fan. We didn't make that abundantly clear last <laughs> uh, two weeks ago <laughs> when Riley Letter was on the show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I am a Brandon I, – I I like Brandon Ingram. And I remember when Brandon Ingram wanted to go to North Carolina, but he chose choose Coach K.A. and the, the Duke Blue Devils. He is tr- – he really transformed that pelicans offense. He really has. He I'm sure the lakers are probably wishing they didn't trade him. Okay? And that was he was part of the Anthony Davis trade. And Anthony Davis did help. The lakers win a championship in the bubble year. He did. But Anthony Davis can't stay healthy. This guy Brandon Ingram, he's been he's been healthy. And he I mean he's had some injuries, but the guy has stayed fairly healthy, He's still fairly young. What is he? 25 years old?
1: Yeah. And he just got paid, and he got paid pretty good. So the Pelicans are going to get him for a much better value than they would get if they were to do that with Levine's contract, too. For a player that probably has a little more upside at this point in his career than Levine does. I mean, I'm sitting here right now. I'll take Brandon Ingram.
2: I'd take Zach Levine. They have to get rid of Julius Randle. I don't want to hear it from the Knicks, well, he's a good second option. He's been the number one option for the Knicks for the last two years. Actually, three years. Yeah. He is not a number one option. I don't want to hear it from Jalen Brunson. He loves loves Julius Randle, and they're very close. That's great. Julius Randle is not the best player on the team. He's not. Jalen Brunson has been the best player on the team since the beginning of the season. At one point, he had eight games over 25 points in a row. Julius Randle is is one of the biggest bricklayers I've ever seen on a basketball court. Every time he shoots, I call brick. Every time he shoots, I watch the games. He stinks. Yeah. I'd rather eat a ha- I'd rather eat a hamburger than watch Julius Randle shoot. Everybody watch. Okay? The guy every time I watch him shoot, I'm like, oh, here we go. It's it's a joke.
1: <laughs> Anything better and than the shot. He put up it's at the It's probably end of the game one of the worst
2: signings Leon Rose. Definitely the worst signing Leon Rose has had. It's one of the worst signings we've seen in three years in the NBA. Probably the worst signing since the Knicks signed
1: Joakim Noah.
2: (laughs) And everybody looks, and I know everybody's looking at the numbers and say, how could you say that? Look at him. He's almost a triple, double. The guy shoots 30 times a game. I mean, he's averaging like 25, 26 shots a game. I mean, me and you can average 30 points a game. If you give me 25 shots a game, I'm probably going to hit half of them. Honestly, I was a good shooter. I'm probably going to hit half of them. The guy, to me, yes, his foul his free throws have gotten better. Maybe he's a he's a good
1: rebounder. He's overrated. He's a little more efficient from last year. He went up from 42 to 45. Yay.
2: It just, I, I don't understand it. I, I, I can't sit here as a, as a Nick fan or even as a, sp- a basketball fan. How could you sit here and honestly believe that Julius Randle is the number one option? Any, uh, there's 32 teams in the NBA, right? 30. I'm sorry, 30. I'm thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about football, football and hockey of 32, yes. baseball and basketball. Of 30 teams in the NBA. Out of all the teams, he is the worst number one option in the NBA. The worst. Let's go through each and every team and we look at the number one options. I guarantee even Sacramento has a better number oh, yeah. one option. By f-
1: the Sacramento has two players better than... Better I'm just than saying. Huts. I'm talking
2: about number one options. The fact that Julius Randle is Tom Thibodeau's number one option is disgraceful. And to sit here, to t- James Dolan saying Leon Rose is doing a great job... He's done a good job. Great job? I don't think so.
1: No, great job I think will come once that one other big move is made. Good in the fact of the Knicks are not making the same mistakes. Well, we'll they have see what they're pass. trading for him too. Sure. The Knicks are not to make the same mistakes of years past because of uh, somebody, James Dolan, want to intervene in basketball operations all the time. And it's about time that he's not. And that's a good thing to actually have the Knicks operate like a more modern system because you're right. Things like the Carmelo Anthony contract towards – the the second contract towards the end of that, they had to build the team like that. They had to build the team with free agents because of that. Carmelo Anthony only wanted to play with veteran players, and they had to make it work to cater to him. Now they're actually building a system at least. Yeah, it's not great. It's a six-seed, seven-seed toying around this year. But still, it's not a thump, it's not something that you could say – all right, the Knicks are being the same old Knicks again. Yeah, they struck out on Donovan Mitchell, and people are going to say, okay, it's the same old Knicks because of that. But still, they're actually building something for once. And mm. if they don't have to trade too much for Levine, that would be the next piece to be able to do it. It would be a
2: horrible move if they bring Anobi in. Yes. It, it would be an absolute... I'm sorry, Ananobi, okay? I, always, I, I he, He's got a weird name. O.G. But... Ananobi. <laughs> okay? He is... To me, and I, I'm I'm speaking the truth here. He is a, he's not worth three first round draft picks. No, and I like OG. He, he's a good player. I told you he's on my fantasy. It would be a catastrophical, terrible move for the New York Knicks if they bring OG in. And that's a fact, no question. Zach Levine makes a lot of sense, but sense. But I'll tell you
1: this: Levine going to the the Mavericks. Oh. Mm -hmm. You put him with Luka Doncic... My God. Mark Cuban said they're trying to make some kind of big swing. They're going to trade everything for another star. At this yeah. Point. And if they get Zach Levine there
2: with Luka Doncic, uh, watch out for the Mavericks. I can see it,
1: too. If the, if the Knicks can't get it done, I, I think that's where he'll end up going. Because <laughs> I don't know if Miami's going to be as uh, easy to trade with because Pat Riley is very stubborn.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: I could definitely see Dallas being the team to swoop in there, too. Cause we've seen them definitely do flashy moves. And they had some bad contracts for a while, too, that took them a while to get out because of the way Mark Cuban likes to operate, So yep. And he's... I mean, you could make him a, a case he's like a uh, better James Dolan in the Western Conference. Yep. Pretty much, some of the contracts he's had, especially Harrison Barnes and Chandler Parsons. Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sean Payton, ladies and gentlemen, as a new spot in the NFL. And it is not the Arizona Cardinals like our friend Jeff thought where he was going. New, 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 new. It is the Denver Cardinals. Broncos, ladies and gentlemen. I, I'll tell you this, and, and, and this, is, this is facts here. The Broncos are so eager to trade away first-round draft picks, they might as well trade away their next six first-round draft picks because they were so easily ready to give up two first rounds and two second rounds and a third round for Russell Wilson which by the way I still think Russell Wilson is still going to be in a, a good quarterback in this league. I think he has more than 3 or 4 years left in that arm where he can be a successful quarterback and ha- handing him one of the better offensive minds in NFL history in Sean Payton is definitely going to help him. But it might take a year to understand this offense. This offense is not easy to learn. You can I've heard Drew Brees say it's there's there's a lot of understanding Uh, On positioning and how you use the receivers and how you're running routes in this offense. And he needs to learn this offense over the summer. Going into the season of next year. And the Broncos, they might have the wide receiving talent to do this. And Williams coming back. Their offensive line stinks. And if you look at the Saints' offensive line for really... Six to seven years that Peyton was there was one of the
1: elite offensive lines in football. Pretty much up until his last year.
4: Yes, it
2: was one of the elite offensive lines. You can't run his offense without an elite offensive line because he likes to run
1: the ball. Go look at the running backs he's had over the years, and the team running games collectively too. They've had three headed backfields too. With remember Bush, McAllister, and Pierre Thomas, these random guys that make work. And
2: too. Williams is great. He yeah. is going to be a good run. He's a stud running back coming back from an ACL MCL injury. Uh, it's going to take him a little while to get back, but he's definitely. It's definitely going to benefit Sean Payton uh, uh, having Sean Payton come and and help out that offense. But they're going to have to rebuild that offensive line, and you can't find elite offensive linemen in the third round. Mm-hmm. And you don't—you still going into this year, you still don't have a first and a second.
1: Yeah, they're going to have to have find be able to find a, a right tackle that's definitely better in the third sure. round. Garrett Bowles is not going to be great coming off of an injury already, as it is. I like Dalton Reisner at left guard; he's pretty good. Center is not great with Cushionberry. He's probably going to be a free agent. And then, yeah, all of a sudden you're looking at a, a very patchwork line. I thought it was still – it never was – I don't think it was ever bad coming into this year, but it definitely regressed from where it was, where it was kind of an average offensive line, now regressed to below average, and in pass protection especially. Some of it is Russell Wilson. He does like to hold the ball a little long, but still, it was really bad towards the end of the season. It, it, there were games where Russell Wilson was taking sacks with, like, six seconds to throw the ball sometimes because the uh, – or uh, six seconds before he could release the ball. And all of a sudden the guy's right in your face. Yep. And that's some of it's on him, but some of it's a lot of that's on the offensive line. Just not knowing how to work with him either. And you need to be able to do that in a complex offense with a complex quarterback. So
2: saints get this year's first round pick 29th overall, which is from Miami for the Chubb trade Mm -hmm. and a 2024 second round draft pick for Peyton. That means next year, you don't have a second-round draft pick again. That's three years without second-round draft picks. When you look at the draft, the, 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 the number one and number two picks are your starters. So you're, you traded your first and your second, your first and your second, and a third this year. I don't even think they have a third this year.
1: Hmm. Yep.
2: I don't think they have a one or a two or a three going into this, this offseason for this year's draft. Payton becomes the eighth NFL head coach to be traded for draft picks. For draft picks. Payton interviewed for four of the five head coaching vacancies. The Broncos, Cardinals, Panthers, and Texans. And only one he didn't interview was the Colts. By the way, out of all those teams, why would you pick? Why would you pick the Broncos? I mean, I would have taken the Cardinals job. I would have. Kyler Murray, he's kind of the quarterback that he likes. I mean... Drew Brees is, you know, a small guy. Now, Russell Wilson's a small guy, too, and a lot of people compared Russell Wilson's game to Drew Brees, um, you know, over the years. Even though Russell Wilson likes to get out of the pocket and use his legs, he's become more of a pocket-present quarterback over the last couple of years. He really has, maybe because of his
1: age, uh, maybe because of his finger. Maybe because of getting beat up by the horrible Seattle offensive lines over the years, too.
2: Ian Rappaport reports that the Broncos were leaning towards uh, D'Amico Ryans uh, before before he committed to the Texans' head coaching job. After that, they were ready to pull the trade for Peyton. Peyton's coaching career with the Saints in 15 seasons was 152-89 and overall regular season record, nine playoff appearances, seven NFC South division titles, nine and eight playoff record, and a Super Bowl 44 championship. Those playoff numbers are not good, okay? You just gave away a first and a second for a guy that's won one Super Bowl in 15 years.
1: No. Got screwed out of another one Say with that stupid yeah. call. Yeah, I don't know if they would have won that year either. You can't predict that. No, would they have beaten the Patriots? I don't know. I think they would have, but yeah, it's not guaranteed. Oh, that was a terrible, by the way, that was a terrible playoff. Uh, Super Bowl, by the way. That was horrible. That was such
2: a boring Super Bowl. Um, up until 2022, I'm mean, sorry, up until since 2020 season, Peyton's offense was always top 10 in yardage every year from 2006 to 2019 and was number one six different times. Every season besides his last season in 2021, Peyton's offense was top 12 in total points per game and was five. Yeah, top five in nine, nine times out of. Uh, those 14 seasons, 11 out of the 15 seasons with Drew Brees, they were a top five in passing yards and in eight of those seasons were top five in passing touchdowns. Drew Brees had over had 500 or more passing attempts in 12 of the seasons under Peyton and 609 of those seasons. Russell Wilson has never had a season of 600 pass attempts and has only 500 attempts in four of his 11 seasons in the NFL. So Russell Wilson is not Drew Brees, okay, as far as the throwing arm is concerned. But Russell Wilson can definitely get there. He has the arm strength. He has the ability uh, to read plays on the field. He was a great quarterback with Seattle. Just this year, it just, I don't know, it fell apart. Maybe it was the offensive line. And and it's so it's so fitting when you see... Russell Wilson gets traded, and then all of a sudden Seattle decides to build their offensive line and add Charles Cross and, you know, and, and do the things that they did in the offseason last year to really rebuild that offensive line to
1: help Geno Smith and help them make the playoffs this year. It was the most normal draft Seattle's ever had. Even when they kept their first-round picks in previous years, they drafted really weird. Finally, they actually drafted some really good value across the board, too. It wasn't just even Charles Cross. They got Kenneth Walker in the second round. They got Abraham Lucas, their other tackle, in the third. Round these were actually where they were supposed to go in the draft, not them reaching on Rashad Penny, who was a third-round prospect in the first round, and making that work. I mean, as far as the wide receivers are concerned, I think
2: adding, you know, having Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, this might be the best wide receiving combination he's ever he's ever coached. Yeah, I mean, he's never coached. Talent like this. I mean, he's always had guys like Halston and and guys that were you know were third, fourth, fifth round draft picks, and he made them into good players. Now, um, I think w- when you have these type of guys, you you can move them. Out. I would think Jerry Judy would be better in the slot. I think they need to keep him in the slot. Yeah. I think he would absolutely work, especially in the Peyton offense. He loves using the slot wide receivers. He's done it. He did it with Cooks. So he, he's done this before, and I think, I think Judy is more talented, and he really hasn't taken his ability to the next level, maybe because of coaching, maybe because of the
1: quarterback play, maybe because they just stink. They did, he just did that recently, too. The last two years, 2018 and 2019, with Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas elevated his game because he played majority in the slots.
2: Since their Super Bowl championships in 2015, beating the Panthers with Peyton Manning, the Broncos have missed the playoffs every season and have not had a coach last more than three seasons, uh, especially uh, Vic Fangio. So uh, to me, and Fangio, by the way, congratulations to him as the new defensive coordinator for the Dolphins. I love that move. Fantastic move for the Dolphins. And as a Jet fan, I'm not very excited about that. But, uh, again, it does help Chubb. It does help the the defense in that defensive line, which uh, Fangio, Fangio likes to go after you know the quarterback. He he's a blitz package type of what, you know co- uh, coordinator who likes to go after you. So um, it's going to be interesting. I, I, and the AFC East is not getting any easier. It's not now. Tom Brady is not going to Miami. <laughs> so obviously. <laughs> so do they go after Derek Carr? There are a lot of teams that are going to be interested in Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson and Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know if they trust Tua. And two, his elf, he's still under protocol. So he's not even playing in the,
1: the, the Pro Bowl. And it's a flag football game. Right. I, I, it wouldn't be surprising if they d- definitely are going to make a big swing for Lamar Jackson. But I, if the Ravens do end up bringing him back, I wouldn't be surprised if they go after Jimmy G, though, either. Because it's a system fit. <laughs> Harbaugh already
2: said that he's, a 200, he's 200% sure that Lamar Jackson's coming back with the Baltimore Ravens. 200%. They fired the offensive coordinator. Because they want Lamar to make the decision on who he wants to be his offensive corner. so they're giving Lamar Jackson the keys to the the kingdom. They're giving it to him. Is it going to work? I don't know. I'd rather eat a hamburger, if you ask me. Speedy, what would you want? Like? So, so White Castle, Wendy's, McDonald's. What do you What do you like? Wendy's of those three. Wendy's, but well, what? Which burger? The Baconator. The Baconator. Baconator. Yeah. Well, well, what do you like about the Baconator?
1: It's double bacon and double cheese. and Double bacon. Yeah. You like the patty? Cheese. You like the meat I, patty? That's right. You like it nice and thick, right? Mm-hmm. Now, now going back to the hamburger rankings. Mm. So the hierarchy mm. of having, having a hamburger, yes. Lamar Jackson getting to pick the coaching staff at Julius Randall's shooting. What, what, what is the order of the three?
2: Mm. <laughs> hamburger, hamburger, hamburger.
1: Okay. That sounds fair. <laughs> I, first of all, I like Lamar Jackson.
2: I do. I, I think he's an elite quarterback in this league. He's won an MVP. He was runner up of an MVP. Uh, he's taken his team practically to playoffs every single year. Uh, if they were, if he did play this year in the playoffs, they win. They beat the Bengals. They're in the AFC title game. I believe that. I do.
1: You think they would have beaten the Chiefs? Though?
4: 100%. Really?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. I think they beat the Chiefs, too. Because the Chiefs have problems with running quarterbacks. Hmm. But... Lamar Jackson did not play, and I think he wanted to let it be known that Baltimore needs him more than he needs Baltimore. Yeah. And he wants his money, and Baltimore better pay him because they, if they don't pay him, he's on his way to Miami or he's on his way somewhere else.
1: Yeah, they got to at least give him a better percentage of the guaranteed money. The guaranteed money that was reported was insanely low that they gave him.
2: Because they don't think he's, he's quality, and I don't understand why. How many quarterbacks are better than Lamar Jackson right now?
1: Maybe eight or nine.
2: <laughs> I don't even think that. I, maybe seven. Okay. I mean, I think he's between seven and eight, uh, uh, you know, when it right. comes to elite quarterback. I I look at elite. Everybody says five, you know, top five. I think elite, you know, in, in the tier is the first seven or eight. And then after that, everybody's tier two, tier three, seven or eight. You, the guys that, you know, could win Every single game, he, they're a big reason why your team wins. Baltimore, they got into the playoffs really because of what Lamar Jackson did the first seven, eight games. That's why they got into the playoffs. Right. I mean, they, they actually, since Lamar Jackson's
1: injury, they were horrible. That's why they had Roquin Smith. Mm-hmm. Their defense played well enough in like, against the Broncos and the Steelers just grind out those wins. If they lose any of those games, they miss the playoffs.
2: I mean, honestly, and then they they actually paid Smith top dollar, and he was a, to me, he's not even their own guy. He was the Chicago Bear. They gave Smith that money when they should have given Lamar Jackson, and they gave him good guarantee money. I think he, I
1: think they gave him like 60 or $50 million guaranteed. They gave him the highest middle linebacker, off-ball linebacker contract in NFL history for a guy that... He's a great player. Yeah, it was and fantastic. And had a big impact on that defense, but it's one of the positions that is not considered. They the always elite.
2: they always find good linebackers in the draft. No, I always. know. That.
1: They have McQueen, okay? Right. He's fantastic. But even more of a reason to say All right, maybe we should have to focus on key positions we've had issues finding, like, a.k.a. wide receiver, to help out Lamar Jackson and not displease him by trading Hollywood Brown, who had a great year in Arizona before he got hurt. Another terrible trade by the Baltimore Ravens. Thank you very much, John Harble. And you're looking at a case of they've had trouble with that, they have to... I understand Roquan Smith's a great player. I'm not denying that. But they you have to realize the shifts of the game, too. You need to pay your quarterbacks and you need to pay your receivers to keep them happy. Otherwise, you're going to have no shot
0: of it going anywhere.
2: All right, who do we have? Yeah, Jeff for the third time. All right, look at that. Jeff just loves calling the show. What's up, Jeff?
0: You know, one of the unique things about Lamar Jackson getting hurt this year mm-hmm. is it has spurned on a very unlikely Pro Bowl quarterback in Brett Humley. Yes. Yes, Tyler. You know who didn't make the Pro Bowl? Oh, uh, Here it <laughs> is. Dak Prescott. <laughs> Dak Prescott. Which begs the question: Is is Huntley uh, better than Dak Prescott? No. I say yes. No. I say yes. I like Huntley, but no.
1: Not a chance in right? hell.
0: One made the Pro Bowl and one isn't there. I don't know how Huntley made the Pro Bowl. I mean, because <laughs> Josh <laughs> Allen backed out. That's why. <laughs> I have Well, so well, so what? Someone backed out in the NFC, and Jared Goff or or Hurts couldn't play for the NFC, so Jared Goff get it. Jared Goff had a good year, right? Well, Dak Prescott wasn't even the first (laughs) alternate. Jared Goff had a better year than Dak Prescott. Oh god! Right, but Jared Goff was not
1: undeserving. He just struggled in certain road games this year.
0: Jeff, Brett Hundley, (laughs) Pro Bowl player. (laughs) <laughs> Tyler Huntley <laughs> Brett
2: Huntley actually played baseball, I think
0: No, no, Brett Huntley played I mean, football He, was he a also played baseball yeah. There
2: was a Brett Huntley that played baseball, too I, I mean, know. but
0: this, this is what I'm saying Is, is, is Tyler Huntley better?
2: No, <laughs> no Not a chance uh,
0: I mean, how can you say no when one made the Pro Bowl and the other one didn't?
1: I don't understand that, by the way So is Tyler Huntley better than Jalen Hurts? <laughs> From your logic No,
0: Jalen Hurts made the Pro Bowl He just can't play because he's in the Super Bowl that's that's who Jared Goff is replacing is is Jalen Hurts. All right. <laughs> so so Hurts made it. <laughs> so it says it, Cooper Rush for two thousand twenty four. It, becomes, it becomes in increasingly right, but here's the problem: it becomes increasingly more difficult for the two of you to deny facts. Stug. One's a Pro Bowl player, the other one isn't.
1: Stug says Cooper Rush for 2024 MVP. And is Zach Wilson better than Dak Prescott?
0: I, I agree with Snug. I agree. 100%. I agree. Cooper yeah. Rush should be the starting quarterback in Dallas. Snug, is this better, be better than your off. pick
1: than when you said Sam Darnold was going to win MVP last year?
0: That could have happened. That very much could have happened.
1: For what? him playing, what, four games last year?
0: Uh, it, listen... Funny things happen when people get a change of scenery.
2: You are you know? are out of your mind if you think Huntley is better than Dak Prescott.
0: One's a Pro Bowl player,
2: the other one is I I understand that. I have no idea how Huntley made the Pro Bowl. Okay, I, I think it's a joke. I think, <clears throat> it, I think the NFL is just playing practical jokes. That's what I think they're doing. It was only because
1: Josh Allen stepped away yeah, and but didn't want to do it.
2: Even if Josh Allen stepped away and didn't want to do it, is Huntley the best guy to pick? Out of all the quarterbacks, you it could probably play. would
0: have been Tua if he was healthy too. All right, take
2: two out. P-
0: put another. Oh, one. by the way, th- by the way, that's the other big breaking news story this mm. evening. What's that? Well, I bet you didn't know mm. that tonight mm. is the very first night that Tua is out of concussion protocol. Oh, he's out now. All right, nice. He's out tonight. Yeah, it came out tonight that he's out of concussion protocol. Do you want us to play? Con-
2: you want us to play a uh, celebration? We're calling the game.
0: Hey, that's. That's big news for a dude that probably can't even spell his own first name now. It's only three <laughs> letters long. Well, I'm sure that I'm sure that's not his actual first
1: name. I'm sure his Hawaiian
0: first name is a lot
1: longer. Oh yeah, that's...
0: no, dude, it's dude, dude. Honestly, you want to you dude, uh, go and look up his first name. I swear to God, I think it's like thirteen or fourteen letters. It's yep. it's right. it's unreal. It's,
1: it is. Yeah, it's.
0: To, to a line, to a line. 17 letters I'm, long.
1: It's yeah, Tuanica it's Maniolepola. And you, yeah, you'll never,
0: you'll never be will never say that.
1: Could you imagine it, a,
2: yeah. a broadcaster use his first name like that? Tuanica <laughs> I mean, that's Hawaiian culture. Let's not
0: make fun of other people's cultures, friend.
2: I am not making fun of Hawaiian culture. I just think it's funny if a broadcaster was trying to
1: pronounce his name. Jeff Then, the,
0: then oh, that's why you think they call him Tua.
1: Jeff, Jeff then there's also uh Vita Veas. Vita Veyas is fun too. So he has like eight different names. It's like it, so right, it's Right, wait. Oh, you remember wait all of them? Until,
0: <laughs> no, but, but no, but it's like Uiungalile. Like right? Oh yeah, like, uh, it's DJ, right? And it's like wait wait until uh wait until uh, Alabama linebacker Henry two Tua gets drafted this year.
1: Yeah. Vida uh, Veya says Tavita Tuliakono Tui Poloto Vahai Felatu
0: What? Right, like it's, yep. it's there's, But we see, we see a lot of that, right? Like with, uh, you know, Tua, with Tua's first name, it's crazy It's hard to pronounce So they shortened it to three letters Down to Tua It's the same thing with Dak Saying Dak is a whole lot easier than saying Failure <laughs>
2: I think says. this this show when you call this show is just I'm going to rip <laughs> Dak all show. That's that's pretty much what you've done all show. You you would call up three times just to throw. Has anything,
0: has anything I've said been inaccurate? Yes, yeah, so Tyler Huntley's better,
2: <laughs> which, which I think uh, is hilarious. He's a Pro Bowl
0: player. Though. <laughs> I'm just following the facts here. Pro Bowl player. never been, Bowl been a Pro Bowl player.
2: player. No. He's not this year. <laughs> I don't know how. I mean, I guess all of them want to play in the Pro Bowl.
0: <laughs> I guess everybody. Just, it is what it is. Like, because here's the other thing. We all still respect people that get named to the Pro Bowl and then have to drop out and whatever, right? Like, and you still go, oh, he made the Pro Bowl. He didn't put Like, Josh Allen, he's still there to be considered a Pro Bowl. He made the Pro Bowl, dropped out. All right, they replaced him with Tyler Huntley. <laughs> that is what it is. Uh, Hertz couldn't play. Jared Goff got in. <laughs> Not Dak. All
1: right. Didn't even uh, get named. Jeff, Mitch Trubisky <laughs> made a Pro Bowl as an alternate. Is he better than Dak?
0: <laughs> but still a Pro Bowl player. <laughs> I don't know. Did Dak, did Dak make the Pro Bowl that year? Because it's
1: based on season performance.
2: You're I, out of your mind. I, I don't think so. You are I, crazy. I, I, the fact that you think Huntley is better than Dak Prescott, I, I think you're you're on drugs. or Whatever the heck you're smoking over there, you're probably smoking cigarettes, but uh, maybe you're smoking some chewing tobacco or whatever the heck you smoke over there, but.
0: You it, don't smoke chewing tobacco. You chew on uh, that's cigarettes not, that's, that's, that's not dry tobacco. That's not
2: true. I that's true. I, I've seen. I've seen somebody try to smoke chewing tobacco.
0: I've well, they're it. idiots because it's so wet. They probably can't even light it.
2: No. <laughs> you tell that to the person I know did it. I'm not going to announce his name on live radio because I don't want to throw him under the bus. And I'm sure he's listening. So, but I've does seen him try does to. Does it do rhyme it. with Beaver? <laughs> no, it's not the beef. Beef doesn't smoke anything. He doesn't smoke anything. I don't. I don't think
0: Wait, I've ever seen. Which is him. remarkable to have that few uh, brain cells without having damaged them with with chemicals. <laughs> <clears throat> you really, you
2: you just really want to throw, you know, the beef under the bus, huh?
0: I'm not throwing him under the bus. I'm stating has anything I said been inaccurate?
2: At uh, what the beef? Oh, uh, with that? No,
0: no, no. About about that.
2: Well. Trying to compare Huntley
0: to Dak is a little crazy. One's a Pro Bowl, but this these are facts. These are indisputable facts, and I know that you don't like it. That, that, we're going through the whole Jason Tatum was named first team All-NBA, Kevin Durant second team. Those all right. are facts. I know that you don't like them, and this is the Tyler Huntley-Dak thing. You are crazy. One guy named to the Pro Bowl, the other guy Not.
2: I am not going to get into this Tatum and Kevin Durant thing from first no, 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 to second. No, 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 no. I'm not doing
0: it. No, no, no. No, I'm not doing it either. All right. I'm just saying, again, I was just stating facts.
2: Yes, you're stating facts on the way the facts were built to be facts. But the facts
0: are that shouldn't have never happened. Facts. That's how they are. They're just facts. One's a pro Bowl quarterback and the other one is not. <laughs> the the other one's swiping on Tinder. on Hinge. <laughs> a (laughs) grinder i'm just kidding right Right. yeah (laughs) no hey maybe you know i mean that's just what it is you know Mm -hmm. one guy Mm -hmm. successful probably has a good life the other guy uh failed his girlfriend became an embarrassment
2: he's got a good life what are you kidding me i mean the guy's a multi-millionaire how how unsuccessful is he I mean, right, uh, but, yeah, but, Jeff, right, Tyler but Huntley
1: imagine. had two passing touchdowns this year. <laughs> Tyler <laughs> Huntley doesn't have Dak Prescott
0: money. I mean, <laughs> name, to Jeff, <laughs> name to the Pro Bowl. Name to the Pro Bowl.
1: You're going you're gonna to name a guy with two passing touchdowns of the Pro Bowl?
2: That's name what I don't understand. Bro. How did he make the Pro Bowl? The guy stinks. He's in the and, Pro and, Bowl.
0: And, and, you're, and you're trying to tell me Dak lives a, a good life because he's got the money. Yeah, yeah, great. I hope he's sleeping on top of that money because guess what? He can't leave the house in Dallas. People, people will riot. People don't want to see him out. They're very angry in the in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Well, good. They want
2: to blame somebody when it was the whole team. It's a team sport. You can't blame. It wasn't the
0: whole team. That game, we've been through this. The defense showed up. They played
2: on the fourth quarter. Not on the fourth quarter.
0: uh, Oh come on! I mean. Listen, Dak hung them out to dry and didn't give them any Didn't get the offense going. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> Listen, that's part of the game, you know. That's part uh-huh. of the game. The, op, the the defense when it plays well, it gets the offense the ball back. That kind of stuff. And you're going to offense needs. And you're going to stay out there to give the defense a rest. That's
2: and you're going to tell me that Mike McCarthy made the right calls in the fourth fourth quarter. Uh, uh, by the way, he's got with the some, last he's got two minutes playing, and thirty seconds, when he should have called timeouts.
0: He certainly got some blame too, right? He definitely has some blame. But if we're throwing, a, if 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 you had a pie chart, you had to put percentages on it. Oh, okay. You want to put the defense out there? Fine. What's the defense worth? Two percent of the blame? Three percent of the blame? Like not very much, right? Yeah. They played great, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so where's the blame going? It's going to Dak, and it's going to Mike McCarthy or Keller. And and listen, they I can. <laughs> They made uh, Kellen Moore a fall guy to get rid of him, and honestly, he's going to be in a better position now that he actually we'll has. See.
2: A uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see.
1: We'll see. That one—that
2: is a know. disaster waiting
1: to happen. I, I can't wait till Kellen Moore is the reason the Chargers. He'll missed be the fired at the end year. of next season. And what
0: do you guys? And what's your narrative going to be mm-hmm. when he makes the ch- the Chargers a juggernaut and they're doing great? The Chargers a off. juggernaut.
1: Yeah. All okay. right. Least good team in
0: football. Well, well, what? Well, what if it happens? Well, what if it happens? I'll and make that bet be with Kellen you. Moore and you're dogging him, and Dak Prescott is still gonna be trying to figure out how to how to complete a pass or, or down a ball with 13 seconds. I'll make you that bet. The,
2: I'll make you that bet. I bet you Kellen oh, Moore will be fired at the end of the season as well as their coach.
1: Gone. Yep. Here comes Sean Payton of the Broncos. Gone. He's still got the Chiefs, and so now you're gonna bring Kellen Moore to the Chargers. Not to mention Aaron now, Ro- Aaron Rodgers Kellen could go Moore's to the Raiders. A good coach. <laughs>
0: Tell him more is a good coach. Mm. Some in some uh, games he has been
1: sport. in some games he has been, but his his in-game his in-game decisions a lot of the time have been bad though. So just like Mike McCarthy. First of all, Brandon Staley.
2: Brandon Staley should have been fired at the end of the season after the end of the playoffs when he got knocked out by the Jaguars and just absolutely play shot himself into the ground, okay? I the fact that he kept his job is a joke, and then they bring in Kellen Moore, which is even more hilarious. I, just, I mean, everything's better. A lot of things are better than their current. He was a horrible. Cor- he was a. Horrible I don't want to say Kellen Moore is great either. <laughs> he was a horrible quarterback, and he's a horrible coordinator. Okay, and and if you want, you want to see somebody that failed. He was one of the guys that failed Dak Prescott. He did. He
0: failed Dak Prescott. He. He called the plays, he got them down the field, and it was Dak Prescott that couldn't line his team up on the field to stop the clock. Or maybe Mike McCarthy. How's that? that? But that's not Kellen Moore? How's that Kellen Moore? He's running
2: the the plays through Mike McCarthy. It is his fault. Oh my God, I have a migraine. He got them down there
0: and they couldn't line up to spike the ball. You, there's got to be some sort of, there's got to be some sort of like poison call, some sort of panic call. Is it Dak Prescott's? The did,
2: is it Dak Prescott's fault that Schultz couldn't put his two feet into, uh, you know, in uh, uh, before the no, sidelines? No, 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 You're no, 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 no that's his, his fault. No, <laughs> no,
0: that was terrible. But I'll tell you what is Dak Prescott's fault because this is what everybody knows, and this is on him. This is his mistake. He slides down, goes mm. feet first, and then what does he do? Mm. He runs away from the ref instead of handing the the, the ball to the ref immediately because they're the ones that have hold to on. Start.
2: Hold that's, on, you that's called on them, him, correct? You,
0: Would that be on him?
2: You called them refs. I thought they were
0: wefs. Okay, that's one. The wefalies. <laughs> right, you gotta you gotta <laughs> say it really whiny, really whiny, like it like. It, like you have a lisp like you're a child that can't speak the weffleese. It's
1: all the weffleese. What is it? What is it like? Uh, what is it like? Those old cartoons uh, hunting rabbits, weffleese. Yeah, that's
0: what. That's what he sounds like. He, he is a lot like Elmer Fudd. That's a good call weffleese. Be, ah, be, Beaver Fudd. <laughs> right, but but who's that on? Right, he slides down. <laughs> And he's the one that he's the one that ran more time off because he didn't. He called
2: a low. beaver
1: fud. <laughs> yeah. Stuck says maybe Dallas should blame the bee for cursing them boys. I will what, what say this. The blame I will the say this, Jeff.
2: That was uh, you know that was pretty funny with the you know but,
0: but, with but the you're, Tom you're Brady
2: blatantly. the fifty six miles that's pretty funny. Yes. Another goal.
0: That there was go.
2: that was uh, that was very funny.
0: Right, but the, but here's the problem: you're ignoring the question, mm-hmm. and and it's easy. When Dak slides oh, down God, and he go. doesn't run to hand the ball to the ref, like everyone knows you need to. Whose fault is that? That's Mike McCarthy's fault. He should have gone out there to remind them <laughs> to hand the ball to the ref. Thank you, Jeff.
2: Thank you, Jeff, for calling. No, you know what? I, you.
0: Uh, would you would you kindly answer that question?
2: All right. What's the question? I'll answer the question. What's the question? whose fault is that when Dak
0: slides down mm-hmm. and he doesn't hand the ball the referee? He runs around like an idiot. Whose fault is that? It's Dak Prescott. But this is what I'm saying. So, so. Even in that moment, you're like, oh, he called the play. Yeah, well, Mike McCarthy, is it the one that took the well, ball and ran Mike... around like a chicken with a be- head cut off?
2: Well, the beef actually believes it was Dak Prescott's fault, too. So why are you
0: attacking the beef? I'm not attacking the beef. I haven't said anything negative about him. <laughs> what have I said that's negative? What, if, what have I done now that's upset the, the, the FUD? What have I done now? <laughs> Goodbye, Jeff. Well, Goodbye, all Jeff. I've done, all I've done is facts. That Dak Prescott <laughs> is the one that had the ball that didn't hand it to the referee. That Dak Prescott is not a Pro Bowl player, right? <laughs> that that losing to Dak Prescott cost the world Tom Brady.
2: Goodbye, like that Jeff. That embarrassment. Goodbye, like, Jeff.
0: These are facts. These are actual facts. Jeff, we, we love you. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, every- Elmer I, Fudd and the Beeve resemblance? Beef, no, no.
2: That, that's,
1: it's not as big as the, as the Beaver, but it, for an animated character, it actually is pretty close. Jeff might be onto something with that. Well, the Beeve's not very happy, okay? Hell yeah. He's the Beeve hasn't happy. been happy with Doc Prescott since No, no, he's not.
2: He's not. It's, it has nothing to do with Dak Prescott. It's, 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 it's Jeff calling him Elmer Fudd, and, and I. Ah, oh, man. That's crazy. Ah, Bill O'Brien back with the Patriots as an offensive coordinator. I've been saying this for the last year, that that's what's going to happen. And obviously at the offensive coordinator, uh, you know, position with uh, the crap that they had over the last year, uh, Matt Jones, if they want Matt Jones to be the quarterback of the future, they need to bring in a guy like Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien knows what he's doing. Uh, he, I think he's one of the better offensive coordinators in the NFL and in college football. I just don't know if he's a coach. He didn't. He was there with the Texans. He really screwed up that team. When he became the GM slash head coach, he really reared that team into the ground. But O'Brien, as an offensive coordinator, he's a Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator. O'Brien knows how to win, and he was a part of that Patriots, um, you know, organization. When they did win Super Bowls, so I, I think bringing in Bill O'Brien, a guy that actually knows what he's doing and and actually knows how to make the play calling, and I think especially with Bill Belichick knowing that the the AFC East is so good going into next year, you don't know who the Jets are going to bring in as a quarterback. You don't. The Jets brought in a new offensive coordinator in Nathaniel Hackett and an offensive line coach, and they're probably looking for a quarterback. Could be Derek Carr, could be Aaron Rodgers. And the the Miami Dolphins, Vic Fangio as a defensive coordinator, Miami's going to be better next year. And we know what the Buffalo Bills are. And you know they're going to come out really pissed off what happened this year against the Bengals playing in that snowstorm. So the Patriots needed to make a split. I think bringing in Bill O'Brien's fantastic. What They
1: had last year. Everything's better than what they had last year. That includes the Chargers recently fired offensive coordinator, right? Kellen Moore. Anything's better than having Joe Judge and I'm Matt super- Patricia together. And by the way, why isn't Joe Judge and Matt Patricia getting fired? I, I think don't Matt know. Patricia's going to get another defensive position from what I've been hearing because I see. about like- Joe Judge, who's arguing with Bill Belichick on the sidelines? Maybe, maybe they should hire Mark Colombo back for kicks. I mean, seriously. Just reunite that whole Giants coaching staff.
2: I mean, if I was Bill Belichick, I'd look at
1: him as Eric Mangini.
2: Yeah, yeah why not? <laughs> kick him days.
1: out. Kick his stuff outside of the office and lock the door. Bill Belichick will go back to the entirety of the archives just for that. Thank you, but no thank you. That's what I'd say. Well, yeah, you don't have to worry about that now. Mm -hmm. The Patriots, though, are still still trying to bring in their own guys, still trying to keep the same blood as long as Belichick's there. We'll see if it ends up up working. Oh, Jeff said uh, Judge has been moved back to special teams. Oh, good. How (laughs) wonderful. Back to the position where he's actually uh, been much better at. Mm -hmm. Honestly, Joe Judge, if
2: he's not arguing with Bill Belichick, I've heard he was arguing with Bill Belichick in, in the middle of the games. He was complaining to Bill Belichick. I can believe that, yeah. I mean, I, I'm surprised. It shows you that Bill Belichick is very dedicated to his his coaches and his players. Right. As, and in and what I've learned about Bill Belichick in in the Belichick and Saban, um documentary is Bill Belichick is a very likable person. He's very funny. We've we've interviewed a lot of expatriates that said mm-hmm. that he's very funny. He's very outgoing. He doesn't look like that on a football field when he talk, when he speaks to the press, but. Outside the lines, the guy is funny and he's outgoing and he he likes to mess around with the players.
1: Yeah, even uh, he doesn't look like the type of person. He looks like he's always mad. Jar- Jeremy Mince even said it last week. He had a little bit of a dry humor to him, so that would end up working to, for those rookies. Yeah, he looks like he's always mad. When I watch
2: Bill Belichick on the sidelines, he always wears these. Like these weird sweatshirts, these half cut sweatshirts with his his arm he'll 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 wear those in the wintertime. He popularized those looks, the fans do it now too, because of it. i, I mean he wears it in the wintertime. I've mm-hmm. seen him wear it in the wintertime, oh yeah God, I give him a- for all those years oh yeah and 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 he is the greatest football coach of all time. he really is i I mean a lot of people and I was one of the people that wanted to fight and deny it, but <laughs> I mean, how many people have done what Bill Belichick has done in any professional sport, including football, which is just so hard to do? Right. Wins yeah. six world championships.
1: In a high-parity league. Also managing the salary cap the way he does. Jeffy he does it all the time. The Patriots know when to trade a player, even if it seems early. He
2: knows yeah. when to trade right. a
1: player. And that's because of his process. That when you
2: say Patriots, it's really – it's not the Patriots. It's Bill Belichick. Right. Okay? He has I, an idea. It should be a picture. You know, the – the logo of the New England Patriots should be Bill Belichick. It's
1: been photoshopped before with that. He,
2: it should be Bill Belichick. <laughs> Bill Belichick
1: wearing the... He uh, is the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick wearing that cadet's hat or whatever the logo <laughs> is the from the Revolutionary War.
2: I mean, he hasn't won since Tom Brady, but I mean, uh, are you going to blame him? Are, no.
1: You, I mean, how, many t- how many coaches would be able to keep that team afloat to be competitive? I'm telling
2: you right now, they're going to be light years better with Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator. Yeah.
1: But again, Light years better. But again, you look at 2020. Cam nu- the Cam Newton experiment didn't work. They were seven mm-hmm. and nine. Oh god. 2021 rookie quarterback. They were ten and seven. They made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They lost to the Bills. Mm-hmm. Last year they were eight and nine. They just missed the playoffs. There's not many coaches that would even get that roster competitive mm-hmm. the way it is because it it's a roster built for his system.
4: Hmm.
2: I I, th- I I think it works. I think it works. I think I I think it's going to be a good acquisition in the off season. I. The the Patriots needed to make a move. They needed to find an offensive corner that can actually be an offensive corner. Not Joe Judge or any of the crap that they had. Okay? They had two offensive corners. If you don't have one, you don't have two. Okay? (laughs) I mean it's it was a joke. And and they hurt Mac Jones. Now they have to rebuild Mac Jones again. And I think Bill O'Brien's the right guy. I I do. If there's anybody that's going to get as much as they possibly can out of Mac Jones, besides our friend over there in uh, Las Vegas (laughs) and Josh McDaniels, which, by the way, more than likely, next year, he will be fired. Josh McDaniels will be fired next year. And Bill O'Brien will decide, hey, you know what? I can go back to Alabama He'll go back to Alabama, or Josh McDaniels will go to Al. No, no, no. Josh McDaniels will go back to the Patriots. Or how about this? Bill, Bill Belichick retires next year. Josh McDaniels becomes the head coach, and
1: Bill O'Brien's his offensive coordinator. What? Here's a, fun, <laughs> here's a funnier one. So the Colts haven't hired their head coach yet. <laughs> Jim Irsay might be dumb enough to hire Jeff Saturday back again. I think he them. Because he loves them. Yeah. He gets fired yeah. after the year. Maybe Josh McDaniels gets the Colts job that he wanted five that years ago. It will never happen. <laughs> it would be the most Jim Irsay thing ever, though. It will never happen. I don't think happen. it will either, but it would be the most Jim Irsay thing ever, so it would be funny. It will never happen. Uh, the fact that Josh McDaniels got
2: another job is ridiculous. Oh, that's the right. Uh, oh, you. he's saying... Jarrett Mayo is the next head coach of the I Patriots. I can believe that,
1: yeah. I think they've been grooming him for the main defensive coordinator position player, for a while. Man. Yeah, he was. He was some player. He was a great linebacker. He was just never healthy. And mm-hmm. That that hindered him. I think He had retired after six years in the league or something like that. But he's been... <laughs> Rumored for defensive coordinator positions elsewhere, too. He was very close to the Cleveland job. Cleveland ended up going with Jim Schwartz, which was a good hire, too. And Arizona was another team. They were he was looking at him as a defensive coordinator spot. So the Patriots have always wanted to make him the full-time defensive coordinator. and It wouldn't surprise me if they grew him for Remember head Remember when Jim
2: Harbaugh and uh, uh, what's his name again on Cleveland, the new defensive coordinator? I'm sorry. Um, Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz. Remember when they were going to fight in at Thanksgiving? Yep. Remember that?
1: Yep. That was so
2: funny. <laughs> yeah. I remember that.
1: <laughs> well, leave, remember leave, it? leave it to Jim Harbaugh and Jim Schwartz. Two, uh, two guys to... you wouldn't mess with in a fight. That's uh, for sure. Wow. Schwartz is so small. No, but he's tough. Like yeah, the, you could the, flick the, him. The, the players. The, the players say he's like much more, much more physically intimidating than you think.
2: Uh, Jeff says, you know who won't have a job in two to three years? Dak Prescott. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Maybe maybe, maybe Dallas is grooming him to be the next offensive coordinator. I like that with Kellen Moore.
2: Uh, D'Amico Ryans becomes the Texans' new head coach. I'm very surprised D'Amico Ryans took this job. He had any job. He didn't even interview for the Arizona Cardinals job. Mm -hmm. I was very surprised about that because I thought – that that was the best job available this offseason. They have a lot of good young players there. Um, they can rebuild, obviously, Kyler Murray for what he was the year before. He, I do believe they overpaid Kyler Murray in the offseason after coming off that playoff loss against the L.A. Rams, which the L.A. Rams won the Super Bowl, but they had to because he was complaining and moaning about all the other contracts. Right. But a lot of players on the Arizona Cardinals came out and said that you made a monster out of him, because after he got that contract, he became a complete failure to the organization. He it was all about his money. It wasn't about the team. He wasn't. It was. He was speaking in a third person in certain. You know, a certain uh, after certain games. You cannot respect somebody, A.K. Zach Wilson. And and Zach Wilson didn't speak in a third person, but he never wanted to take blame. Kyler Murray took blame, but in a third person. There's another Kyler Murray. Well, you know, he was you know he was great. You know, he was great. You were great, or he was he wasn't good. I mean, you were not good. I mean, he just there were a lot of things about Kyler Murray. I love Kyler Murray. I I've, he was one of my favorite players. And Speedy, me and you have spoke highly of him. Even getting that contract. And then after this season,
1: I mean, he was just horrible. No, I liked the contract at the time. I was worried about the injury risk. I wasn't worried about all these other things horrible. That have happened. And that, now <laughs> you're
2: hearing he's not going to play until the second half of the season next yeah, year.
1: That sounds like, and that. that's probably why Peyton wasn't even interested in the job. Mm-hmm. You know, right? And you have to believe too that you want you'd want. Kyler Murray to be able to run to that ability too, that he can move too, and that's gonna be very hard off that kind of injury too. As good as Peyton's scheme is, I mean that's good. that takes extra effort on the quarterback's part too. That includes you, Kyler Murray. Uh, I, I I
2: like to be Co Ryan's. I, I think he's gonna be a good coach in this league. He was a good player. I think he picked the wrong team.
1: Of course, I mean Houston's really, really bad. I mean they have
2: some good young players. I like Stingley. I, I, they, they, they their draft last year was pretty good.
1: Their secondary is good. Their front, they have a good running great. back in Pierce. I think, I think they have some pieces. You well, know, they have the draft picks to make it work. Finally, because the Texans had a tough time really rebuilding. They have the number two pick. Yeah, and they have number twelve from Cleveland. They as need to well. pick
2: right on one of these quarterbacks. They, right. they have to be right. I don't know if it's C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. I don't know who is the best one in this class, I'm leaning towards Bryce Young. I there's he's more like a Watson type of player. Yeah. I I I think he's more CJ Stroud is is all in or nothing, you know? I I think he's more a little bit less than Lamar Jackson. I think Richardson's a little bit like more like a Lamar Jackson. I, I worry about C.J. Stroud. Not that I – first of all, Ohio State quarterbacks and, – and, by the way, Alabama quarterbacks, never good. <laughs> They're never good. But I think Bryce Young's the best quarterback to come out of Alabama in a while. I think he's the best one. Mm-hmm. Um, C.J. Stroud, he's good. He had a couple of really good games this year. Uh, especially through how many games, five or more touchdowns. I think he had like four or five. In the beginning of the season, he had I think six of his first eight games. And he was an
1: Eisman Trophy candidate. I think five of his first like eight games or something like that, he had six touchdowns. But the second, the last month of the season was very concerning for him. Uh,
2: And it's one of those two. They're going one and two. I just worry. I I trust more in Bryce Young, being that he is in the SEC – uh, he's played against the elite teams for the last couple of years. He won a Heisman there. I trust Bryce Young more than I trust CJ Stroud
1: as an NFL quarterback. That's just me. I don't know
2: about you, Speedy, but,
1: but I- I'm actually, i I've actually, have. Bit down on Stroud in comparison to most people. I still think he's good, but I do have worries about his game because he seems more flashy than he is kind of the whole thing. So trade. is Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was very similar. Now, yeah. I, think, I think Lamar he's Jackson. He's a better arm than Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, I would say, has a uh, bigger arm. but uh, You think so? Bigger arm strength-wise. Accuracy-wise, Stroud, I think is a better arm. I, mm. think, I think down the field, deep accuracy and tight throws, Stroud is better. Now, I think Lamar Jackson's throwing on the run is better. Stroud sometimes gets a little panicky running outside the pocket a lot of the time, too. So I think that's something in his game he's definitely going to have to improve. But in terms of the Texans, yeah, I, I think either way, they have a lot of talent they have to rebuild. They have a, they have a... Bryce Young, it's,
2: it's more unlikely CJ Stroud at one. That's what I believe. Okay. But Chicago's drafting at one, so they're going yeah. to trade down. Yeah, they have to. They're going to trade down because they want Anderson. And of that's course. what I believe they're going to do. I think they're going to trade down two or three spots, and they're still going to get Anderson, and they're going to get uh, maybe, I would see – because I could see Carolina trying to jump.
1: Yeah, that would I could be see nine. Indianapolis trying to jump. Indianapolis makes the no most sense because that's just going forward. Unless they, they, they think Levitt, Lavitz is, is the guy that they want. Right. Because Arizona's at three, unless they trade back two, then they're going to take a defensive player. And if they trade back, that's the other wild card that you're risky if you're the Bears or if you're the or if you're the Bears trying to trade back too. because then. If three quarterbacks go, you have your pick of the litter of the defensive yeah. players, too. So that's interesting. The Colts make the most sense, though, just because jumping from four to one is mm-hmm. very easy. Carolina, nine to one. That could take a lot more in order to do that because you probably have to give up multiple other first-round picks. Mm-hmm. And is Carolina going to be ready to do that right away? And
2: I think Carolina will do it, especially with a new coach, Frank Wright there. I i I don't know what Frank Wright knows about mm-hmm. Sam Darnold. Maybe Frank thinks that Sam is the future to the organization. He might. Right. He's still very, fairly very young. He's the youngest quarterback ever drafted. Mm-hmm. So, Sam's what twenty four years old. He still has a he still has a tremendous amount of ability. We've seen what Sam could do. Maybe with the right coach, he could be successful. It but, didn't work out with Carson Wentz,
4: mm-hmm.
2: but maybe Sam Darnold with the right uh, coach and the right preparation. Maybe Sam Donald could be a franchise quarterback. I always thought highly of Sam Donald. I never wanted to trade him. I never did, but the way the
1: the Panthers are structured right now, I like their defense a lot. But mm. they need a lot on offense. Say I know their running backs broke out at certain points this year, but you, I, I don't know if you could necessarily trust Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard as like consistent running backs. DJ Moore is a solid. receiver. You could find a running back
2: in the third and fourth round. That's fi- uh, Jeff that's said fine. there was a lot of good running backs in this year's draft.
1: No, I, I know that's not going to be a priority. The question is though, do they have enough draft picks to compensate for even everything else? Too? Why not? They they need. Receiving depth. They get all their DJ first round. Ra- they get
2: all their draft picks this year.
1: No, no, no. I I'm any. saying if they trade up, if if the Panthers trade up, they're not going to have a lot of those draft picks, and I and I think you're going to put that quarterback in a situation to fail. Their
2: offensive line was top three offensive line in football in the second half of the season, and and, and Frank Wright. Who came from a, an Indianapolis Colts team that had at one point the best offensive line in football? I don't know what happened to them. Yeah. I it, they fell off quick. Quentin Nelson is still a fantastic player, but everybody else. Yeah, they they look like
1: crap. Braden Smith had the worst year of his career. Uh, I think they had won the retired uh, retired too. And now they, they, they
2: bring back Jeff Saturday. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. They, Maybe Jeff it, Saturday off the play offense. Why oh, to this rate? Right. They're very stupid. They're a stupid organization. <laughs> that's Jim Irsay for you. <laughs> by the way, uh, Ryan Hickey's team. By the way, uh, the horseshoe. I'm just kidding, Ryan. Well, I love you.
1: That's what happens when you have ownership. F- Stench still lingering. You I love you, Ryan. Encos. I love you, Ryan. Well, yeah, that team—that team is not going anywhere as long as Jim the I guess the decision. On well, as long as the Jeff coach. Saturday is running that organization <laughs> as the coach, the coach. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. And yet, the only team that—the uh, only team they were able to beat. Uh, they were able to beat was the. I Raiders. mean, good uh, job, Josh. Uh, if it's you're the the doing a
2: podcast <laughs> about the Indianapolis Colts, what is their... Is there any good things to talk about?
1: Yes, coaching candidates that aren't Jeff Saturday start. Mm. Well, that's not going to happen
2: because that's where that's where they're leaning towards. Uh, That's what everything.
1: They've done their due diligence with a lot of other guys, but
2: if they if they still do it, here's here's what I would do: I would hire Wink Martindale.
1: That's what I would do. Uh, They've hired Wink Martindale. They've they've interviewed Wink Martindale. They've interviewed Brian Flores. They've interviewed Eric Biani. but yet they're going to hire Jeff Saturday. That'll be hilarious. Eric Biani is another good.
2: A yeah. good acquisition. He was, I was like the second it.
1: guy. I think he was the second guy they interviewed, but I don't know. Jim says ego. You never know. Mm.
2: Well, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back tomorrow at nine p.m. Me and Speedy. Who do we have? All right. So tomorrow uh, time. By so- the way, I, I, I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I want to apologize with uh, former Raiders and Lion safety Stuart Schweiger. I uh, probably family situation yeah
1: I actually have the details on that okay. um he actually had a friend yesterday that passed away oh man uh, horrible. He, um, that he he lost a friend one of his good friends uh he committed sorry to side I'm, was... I'm sorry to hear that so yeah he hasn't he hasn't been right so maybe we'll have him on next week when his uh, when his mind's a little more right with that um, but tomorrow we have uh time still to be determined he hasn't given me if he wants to do nine thirty or ten yet uh ex eagles chiefs Giants, Texans, and Bears safety Quentin Demps will be one of them. Oh, new guy. Okay. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And at uh, ten thirty, our friend Mr. Ashford from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I'm looking,
2: for it. I'm looking for it. Yep. forward. I'm looking forward.
1: Yep. He'll not forward.
2: I'm looking forward.
1: He'll be on for the fourth time on this show. I like him. Yep.
2: Ashford is awesome, mm-hmm. and I, I'm looking forward to uh, speaking to him about the portal and the NIL. I mean, I feel bad for him because the guy can't stay healthy. He's had so many injuries. and uh, For a guy that has so much promise as a corner uh, and now has an opportunity to really make a statement in Wisconsin, I I just hope he can stay healthy. I mean, I really do. And I I hope uh, with the new coaching staff there, they they build him up where he can, you know, I believe could be a a draft pick. I wouldn't say a lottery, but... Know, a third or fourth round draft pick i think he could be that type of player
1: yeah so. hopefully with the new coaching staff and maybe some extended eligibility that yeah. could help too absolutely because the, because of covid especially especially with the shoulder injury too for a corner that's going to be hard to, to be able to do that but yes he'll be on tomorrow at ten thirty. 30 quentin demps again time to be determined to be determined but he actually played with andy reed on both teams the eagles and the chiefs so he'll have some interesting stories about that yeah. and uh like i was saying uh my condolences uh, for the student 100%. Schweigart and his friend, everyone that was close with his friend. May so, rest in peace, man. And hopefully we can have him on again soon because, Absolutely. again, you're ready. Right. He's definitely not in the right state of mind to do that. No, I understand. <laughs> yeah. I understand what Stuart, but uh,
2: yeah. Uh, we will be back tomorrow at 9 p.m. All I got to say, ladies and gentlemen, is be out. Good night.
0: It is the wide Sports Radio Network.